Since I was a child, I've always loved a good story. Stories help us become the people we dreamed of being. Lies that told a deeper truth. Drop it. Duncan and Bo come correct. Hey, everybody. It's Bo here from Duncan and Bo Come Correct. This time, we're doing Duncan and Bo Go to Westworld one last time. One last ride with your old pals, Duncan and Bo. With me, as always, one Duncan McLeish. How are you, sir? I am not a robot, Bo. I don't know how many, I don't know how many times I have to say this every single episode. I am not a robot. I'm looking forward to this show being over. This run of shows being over, so the accusations will stop. Uh, I... You know, Duncan, the the cry from the crowd, uh, from our audience, our listening audience, has long been that you are, in fact, a robot. But uh, I have uh, something to tell you, Duncan. I am also a robot. Twist! (laughs) Oh, my God. We're all robots! Everyone's a robot. Uh, I just imagine that bit from, you know, where uh, (laughs) Oprah Winfrey gave everyone a car. You're right, like, you got a car, you and you're a robot, and you're a robot, and you're a robot, and you're a host, and you're a host, and you're a host. Everyone's just losing it. I'm a yeah. host. Check under your chairs. You'll find you'll find your behavioral control pads. You're a host. <laughs> you're a host. Um, yeah. So this is it. This, we uh we are doing one more two for episode. Where I, it seems right. It seems right because the last two episodes are really where everything ties together. Yes. Yes, and it'd be pretty grueling to do episode nine with some of the reveals, and then have to wait another week to find out the answers, like you actually had to do in the show. Yeah, let's pre- definitely podcast. Let's pretend that's why we're doing these two together. Uh, <laughs> that but... is the reason, Bo. <laughs> I don't. Why this doesn't look like anything to me? Uh, <laughs> yeah, so we had to do episodes five and six uh, together, which was also appropriate because those two were kind of bookends to you know, the turn of the story. And now we have another twofer, and this time it is uh, chock-a-block full of revelations and and mysteries unraveling, uh, questions being answered and new questions being raised, Duncan. So, uh, I yeah, man. How are you going to wait till 2018? I don't think I can actually wait till 2018. I don't think I've ever been so excited about a show coming back right after it finishing in the history of television. I don't think I've ever felt like this. I, I can't I cannot physically there was a teaser shot. There was one teaser shot in the the, the last episode which involved samurai and I I had an obvious erection bulge in my jeans. Like obvious. It's like what does this mean? Like I'm just like Oh my god. It just like yeah this show this this fucking show, honestly. It's it's <sighs> something. And uh, yeah, it's amazing that 2018 is going to be the next time that we talk about Westworld, uh, yeah. at least in this setting. So um, it's a little bittersweet because I, uh, I enjoy talking about this show. And I, of course, enjoy uh, talking about this show in particular with yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, that's as close as I'm going to get to a compliment in this episode. I'll so, take it. <laughs> you know, beggars can be choosers, Duncan. Um, but so let's let's jump into this and and start talking about episode nine because we we got we got a road ahead of us here, and oh goodness, does it start well? 
we are talking, of course, <laughs> about uh, an episode entitled The Well-Tempered Clavier. Yes. Uh, the By the way, little note on the on the title. Are, are you familiar with this? Have, did you do your homework on what the well-tempered clavier is in reference to you? I did not, Bo. I, I have at this point and this far into the recordings just taken it for granted that you will do the research for me. You will tell me, I will acknowledge it and make it sound like I already knew. Well, Duncan, I appreciate you enforcing uh, the stereotype of the lazy Scott. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if that's a stereotype, but it is now. It really isn't. It's a lazy American. <laughs> it's, well, you know. Uh, twist. It's spiteful Scott. Yeah. Another twist. Bo is productive. Um, the well-tempered clavier, Duncan, is, uh, according to the good people at Wikipedia, is a collection of two series of preludes and fugues in all of the major and minor keys, using all 24 major minor keys, uh, composed by Johann Sebastian Bach. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was done as kind of a, a primer. Uh, for students. In fact, the quote is uh, when he addressed the book uh, that Bach wrote, uh, for the profit and use of musical youth desirous of learning, and especially for the pastime of those already skilled in this study. So it is essentially the, the touchstone. It is considered one of the most influential pieces of, of music written in the Western world because it was used by so many as the way to uh, to learn uh, how to play, as well as being the first piece that used all twenty four keys oh. uh, throughout the the series of of preludes and fugues, and there were two two count them versions of it. Oh. Uh huh. So uh, the episode uh, was written by Dan Dietz and Catherine Lingenfelter, uh, who are new writers to uh to Westworld but they have both worked with uh Jonathan Nolan uh and Lisa Joy in the past mm -hmm. uh Dietz on Person of Interest and Liegenfelter on Pushing Daisies which I didn't realize was a Lisa Joy show and that's a that's a quite a good show yeah I enjoyed that one actually yeah it's uh, uh well done and uh was directed by Michelle McLaren so um yeah that is our bona fides but mm. uh, I would argue, Duncan, that tells us next to nothing about what happened in the episode. <laughs> and, you would be right. <laughs> and that's that's what we're here for. So we open, uh, as, as we always seem to, with a host sitting in a chair. And uh, this time around, Duncan, it is Maeve, who is uh, coming off of her, you know, bloody hissy fit, I like to think. Uh, yes. From the previous episode. And Bernard is uh uh who at this point we know is in fact a host but is, he has been um he's had his memory wiped so he now thinks he's alive right he thinks he he's good old meat potatoes bernard and he's having a little <laughs> sure, that's, sure that's the nickname he wants <laughs> old meat potatoes bernard they call him uh, <laughs> and well, there's, there's meat and potatoes Bernard, and then there's, you know, Bernard portrait of a serial killer. <laughs> Where he just sits around in a wife beater all day and argues with his white trash buddies. Um, 
God. That's kind of a movie I want to see now. I really want to see that movie now. You've 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 interested me, Bo. Make it happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Bernard, uh, me and Potatoes Bernard, is talking to Maeve, and has her in analysis mode. He thinks, and he he you know is opening up her little behavioral chart, and uh, he's like, "Hey, she is super smart and has access to all kinds <laughs> of stuff," and. Uh, he says, like, hey, who changed this? And uh, anyway, he starts to call somebody, like, hey, somebody needs to get down here and take a look at this thing. Yeah, and, he calls for Ford. He's like, someone find Ford, because I'm assuming he thinks that Ford's done this. Right, somebody uh, had tampered with her code, and, and he's trying to figure out who did it. Yeah. And uh, But then Maeve is like, hey, Bernard, you don't have to do that. You're a host <laughs> like me. And yeah, he's, and he's like his shitty day continues again. Just when he thought he'd removed all that shittiness that had happened to him, the crushing realization that one he was a host and two he was used to kill the woman that he thought he loved. Um, if that wasn't enough, Bo, that wasn't enough. Uh, after that was all wiped and he was put back into his job, another robot tells him he's a robot. Yeah, and gives him the like freeze all motor fu- functions, the freeze tag command. Yeah, and he, you know gets locked in place and Maeve is like, Hey, uh, here's what I'm going to do for you. Uh, you know, your entire life has been a lie. So what I'm going to do is just give you a little bit of access to yourself. And mm-hmm. I want you to start digging, like try to figure out who you are. Um, and, and also has some fairly unkind words to say about Ford and Delos in general. And but you know she gives him the we're bigger stronger faster mm-hmm. and so what you're gonna do is you're gonna figure out what what's going on in your head and in the meantime you're gonna send me back to the park as is which is exactly what happens yeah and he's a bit to see uh, shell shocked afterwards would be an understatement um, he kind of walks around the corner uh, very very gingerly. And then kind of leans against the pillar, knowing very well that things will never be the same again. Yeah, and man, I, you know, we talked about this on uh, the the previous episode. You know, when Bernard uh, gets all murderous, mm-hmm. and and but it, the reaction that he has of like, oh my god, you know that that realization of what he is and what he's done is, is kind of the most heartbreaking part of all of that. Yeah, and especially when you know what his backstory. I mean, I mean, what we're, what we're learning very quickly is the 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 kind of cornerstone to all the programming comes from grief, comes from pain, and his one we have seen quite a lot through flashbacks. Very much like Maeve to an extent. Maeve loses a daughter, and that's you know that's horrible. That murdered in front of him. But in the case of Bernard's one, it really is. He is quite a likable guy. I think that's what it is. Like we we constantly see him trying to do the right thing or be the best person he can be, um, and he obviously gets reset back to to the way that Ford wants him. You know, the, uh, working in such a way that he is completely oblivious, uh, but completely complicit to what Ford wants him to do. 
and this is the second time we've seen this now. It's the second time you see it once and you feel sorry for the guy, and then it gets wiped, and you're like, well. I was horrible, but Berner's back to being who he is, and then to see it happen again, but this time, not even your creator telling you that you're a robot, in the case of this one, it's another robot telling you, another robot that freezes you in place, and then basically walks across beside you and says, it's quite horrible, isn't it, being stuck there and being fully aware of yourself, but not being able to do anything, which is essentially what Berner does for a living, you know, without really thinking about consequences, he's been doing this to all these hosts, so, yeah, I, I, I feel he's probably one of the most sympathetic characters overall in Westworld. And there are not many characters in this show that I have sympathy for, but Bernard is one that gets unconditionally. Yeah, yeah. And because even, you know, like you said, his backstory is so tragic. And then when you pile on top of that, oh, it's not real, it's just to make him human. And also that he's forced to forget his true nature over and over only to realize, uh, you know, the the cycle of it is just horrifying, you know? Um, yeah. But, oh, man, Jeffrey Wright is just <laughs> so good in the role. It's, you know, forgive us for gushing a little bit, but this is kind of our victory lap episode, right? We're wrapping this up for a year. Uh, yeah, and, so. and like I said before we started recording, a whole lot of things we said or we have been hypothesizing throughout the previous eight episodes a lot of them land in this episode scarily on point. I mean, like, right down to, oh, we said that there was a very strong chance that this may happen. Oh, look, this has happened. Um, so, yeah, we, we are going to be, at the same time, we're going to feel quite triumphant here. We're also going to be a bit smug. If you're me, you're going to be very smug. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and rightfully so. Uh, but also um, a little bit, you know, ebullient about uh, yes. how how great this show is, and really um, is. So, all right. So, back in the park. Let, let's get to some violence because we're overdue. <laughs> uh, so, so back in the park, uh, we have Logan and William um, debating. Uh, like they're at the Confederados camp. William is there with Dolores. Logan has been kind of part and parcel of this crew of guys and says like, it, it's kind of a funny line where he's like, uh, they made me a colonel or a general or some shit. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, but ultimately William is saying like, Hey, I need your, your help because Dolores, this, the, the robot I've been, you know, cruising around with, she's alive mm -hmm. and we need to get her out of here. And uh, Logan, to prove a point, you know, he actually says, like, he talks to her a little bit and uh, he says, oh, you really are kind of screwy, aren't you? Mm -hmm. and he then, thinks it's a malfunction. Yeah, he thinks she's just good old fashioned broke. And uh, so then uh, Logan opens her up right in the belly. Yeah, right in front of him, which, let's be honest, not cool. Yeah, not cool at all. Um, so Dolores gets gutted and, and takes off. And before we go any further, we cut back to the best reason to watch this show, which is Jeffrey Wright and Anthony Hopkins chatting with each other mm -hmm. about the nature of existence. And in this case, uh, Bernard, meat and potatoes Bernard has, <laughs> has busted into Ford's office and, 
kind of dug into like who he is and what he is. So I mean, he now fully realizes that he's a host. And uh, Bernard essentially says, hey, man, uh, I, you probably did the same thing to Arnold. And yes, uh, that, you know, look, you're going to you're going to open up my memory so that I can remember literally everything so that I know the truth. I know what I've done. I know who I am. I know everything. He says, I want to know everything since I came online, because if I ever met Arnold, that way I have a, a, a path to remembering, you know, what what my this this hidden purpose is, you know, that all of these. Uh, hosts are are feeling and anthony hopkins just says i'll do it and i like <laughs> well, what the, you find there's an added incentive an added incentive is that he has programmed um clementine um who if we all remember clementine had her program screwed with a little bit so she could harm humans and clementine has a gun pointed at Ford's head, and he's like that, you know. And you will bring me back if I break, because if uh, if you don't, we're both gonna die. And I love it because Ford, once again, we've talked about this many times. Anthony Hopkins isn't exactly like overacting any scene. A lot of what he's doing is in that tradition of how he acts, which is just slight facial movements, like. Uh, like a raise of an eyebrow or the you know the upturn of of a side of his mouth, which speaks louder than than any script could write. Um, and like at first, I thought like at first I was watching this thinking, um, you know, Hopkins is taking this a bit too kind of cool, which made me think he's either got an ace in the hole or this has happened before. You know what I mean? Like, because we we don't know how many times Bernard's been reset. Um, it's never really discussed, but we we imagine it has happened a few times. So we don't know how many times you know that we've been in a position where where Ford has been forced to do something for Bernard because Bernard has started to to understand things or put together pieces of the puzzle that he shouldn't have. Um. And it was it was brilliant because it was almost like this kind of Mexican standoff between these two prominent characters, and one of them is you know highly emotional about it because you know they've just found out they're a robot, um, and the other one is Ford, and it's very difficult to read Ford. You know, never really even up to the very end of the show, it was still very difficult to read Hopkins' character, um, and that's wonderful. That's wonderful. He's probably, and we'll get into things like this at the very end. To me, he has been probably the, the, the crown jewel of this entire season and that he has played this perfectly. Like, every actor's been great in this show, but he's played this perfectly and that from the moment you start the show right to the very last shot, you're not going to be entirely sure exactly who the man is what he's going to do or where he stands on the the whole kind of hostentiousness, um, which, you know, a big chunk of this plot has, has kind of, has kind of went round on. And it's a great scene. It's a good, like you're, you're right. When you say some of the best scenes in this show have not been the amazing action, have not been the, some of the tremendous special effects, 
some of the best scenes in the show have just been Jeffrey Wright and Anthony Hopkins just discussing whether it's theology, psychology, consciousness, religion, you know, like, like small snippets of dialogue, which only a show like Westworld, Westworld can be a vehicle for this sort of dialogue and not feel contrived, preachy, pushy, but just feel um, merited in the format of a show. So yeah, there's like, I was like, both to put things in perspective, I watched both these episodes back to back. This was happening and I, I made the noise of of a, like a, like a 60 year old at the cinema who's watching some sort of drama and just found out something and went, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he, you know, he, he, he is thrown into these flashbacks, you know? Mm. So we see like, uh, the the death of his child again, or him at his you know sick child's bedside reading Alice in Wonderland again. Um, he sees his wife, uh, or the video conversation he has with this estranged wife that doesn't exist. Um, which is a shame because Gina Torres, lovely woman. Um, yeah, and uh, starts to remember what he did with Teresa and Elsie, and then he kind of comes back. And Anthony Hopkins is like, are we done now? Can we, like, we got this whole narrative to do. And I love the, when uh, Bernard is kind of giving him uh, some guff about the fact that they've uh, killed people or he's been forced to kill people. <laughs> the way Anthony Hopkins phrases it is, yes, we've had to make some uncomfortable decisions, Bernard. And <laughs> it's so good. Uh, and uh, It's just a matter of fact. Yeah. You know I mean? uh, it's, it's, it's nothing to fold at all. Well, and, you know, obviously when we get into the next episode, we understand that, oh, there's a trajectory here. Like, the, the ends justify the means, and, and he can be a little reckless. Like, Ford can be a little reckless because yeah. he's so close to the end game. Yeah. And, and I think that's what we're seeing a little bit. You know, because he is saying, like, hey, we've got this narrative. we got to get back to work. And then uh, Bernard insists that they continue. You know, of like, mm -hmm. you've got to show me everything. And, uh, you know, again, Ford tries to talk him out of it. And, and Bernard says, well, you know, a little trauma can be illuminating. Mm -hmm. And once again, we are thrust back into uh, Bernard's memory. But, but, Duncan. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I, I'm sorry, I'm getting this a little chronologically out of order because the, uh, then we get to the scene in which we're, you know, actually gut um, poor Dolores back in the park, yeah. back in back in, in the in the back in the years, as we uh, will learn. And mm -hmm. um, but also the the other fun thing about this scene is we see that the picture of Williams' fiance or wife, yes is the picture that is found way back at the beginning of the season uh -huh. that Dolores' father finds, and it makes him go all hinky. Yes. Which I think is the technical term. Um, <laughs> when robots, Scientifically speaking, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm no scientist, but I think hinky is, <laughs> in fact, the term for what happens when a robot uh, loses its uh, robotic shit. Um <laughs> So Dolores goes off running uh, after being stabbed in the gut, and then, lo and behold, she's not really stabbed. Yes. Uh, and it turns out that we are once again playing into Dolores's memory. 
Um, and then we move from them to Maeve and Hector. Uh, yeah. Which is, again, uh, a surprising couple, but oh my goodness, how I love them together. <laughs> I love them separately. I love them together. I love them all around. Goddamn armistice. All right, we'll get into it. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh my man. goodness. Uh, all right. Mm. All right. So <laughs> I'm so tempted because it is just one of the most awesome things that's ever happened on television. Uh, so, but Maeve shows up and says, Hey, uh, you're, you guys are all doing this stupid loop thing. And eventually all your men are going to fight each other until it's just you and armistice left. Yeah. And then let me show you something else, which is, Hey, the safe is empty. Yeah. And I think that this is really, there's something really quite cool about this scene because the thing that I think Westworld does really, really well, other than just be generally excellent, um, is that it isn't scared to to throw in a bit of theology and a bit of you know the kind of eternal struggles that humans have existentially with with questions about why am I here, what is there after death, and, and all these things. And what I love about this scene is basically she is telling Hector that you know you. Your whole, you know, like the whole thing that you're achieving to do is get this safe and open this safe. And it's a control mechanism. That's what they do. You know, you you are going to repeat this over and over again. You're never going to get to open this safe. You're always going to repeat this, but you're going to want to open this safe. And then she shows them the safe is empty. And it's a couple of, more than once in this show, they have made this point about, you know, on some level the aspirations of trying to fulfill your dreams. Um, there is something not worthwhile about reaching the end. You know, that sometimes the, the victory of achieving one's dreams can be hollow. It's like a hollow victory. And I love that's a theme that's cropped up incessantly throughout the show thus far. It's been mentioned in conversations directly with Ford. Um, but the fact that this scene kind of sums that up as well. They come back to it again, you know, that Hector will constantly go for the safe. And the fact that Maeve says, you know, the safe is always empty. It's always empty. You know I mean? There's never anything in the safe. And you can, if you want, die here and respawn and loop and go after the safe again. But the safe will always be empty. Every time you go for it, the safe is empty. Or you can come with me and we can do something which, you know, is going to take it to the creators of these, these gods that are not gods, um, and, you know, and, and take what is, take our lives back from them. And I thought it was a great scene as well. And she could not have picked two better people to join her in her odyssey of anarchy than um, Hector and Armistice, who are like, we said, from the first moment we saw them ride into town and do that bank heist scene, we were like, yeah, we could watch more scenes of this, particularly Armistice, who is a character they have used perfectly in this show. They did not overplay her as a character at all. And we'll get to the very, 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 very final shot of this show um, after credits of the final episode. And it just summed up everything that makes me think Armistice is a bitch in yes. character. Yes. So hot. So hot. But... There is an almost Marvel style <laughs> tag on the season. Yeah, after credit sequence is amazing. <laughs> it, which is maybe the greatest thing that's ever happened on television. Uh, so, 
Um, but or, if you want to describe it, I don't want to step on your toes, but how Hector and Maeve decide to get into Delos is also pretty pretty great. Oh, great. Um, I'm drawing a blank. How did they... So if she says, like, hey, do you want to do you want to see the makers? And if so, I can I can show you how to get there. She says, I can like it's going to hell is easy is the way she puts it. And then they yep. start doing it in a tent and she kicks over a kerosene. That's liner. right. Yeah, like she basically burns them, <laughs> burns them to death. I love yeah. the fact that he remembers like like the, the bit where he he gets the, just before they fuck, basically. Um suddenly he gets that flashback, that memory of we once said we've done this before. You know, I, I have I have had you like in this position before doing some violent shit. Um and yeah, she's like basically <laughs> let's fuck in the fire. Um and yeah, yeah. it's uh, as if you're gonna go out, the boat I've always said if I want to go out, that's the way I wanna go out. Yeah, we're we're going to copulate until the flames melt our skin together. Yep. Uh, yeah, it, it's pretty fantastic. Or as they call over here, a Saturday in Dundee. Oh, is that right? Is yep, that just a they, typical sa- Saturday? That's what they do Saturday night in Dundee. Find yourself a prostitute, find yourself a tent, start getting busy, and then burn yourself till you melt together. Saturday in Dundee. It's called a, 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 a Dundee Dumbbell. Is that like a Glasgow smile? Is that what that <laughs> Glasgow smile doesn't involve sex, but... I know it it's doesn't. Still, it's, still, it's still pleasurable if you're doing it to the personal. <laughs> well, the guy getting the grin, maybe not, not so pleased. <laughs> not so much. Uh, you want to be the evening. You want to be the doer. The, the, the pitcher, not the catcher, I believe, is the term. It's yeah. American, the... isn't it? <laughs> uh, quick note, the guy in Sons of Anarchy... Uh, who plays the, uh, like, the Irish dude. Yeah, who is actually from Glasgow. He is Glaswegian. Yeah. And he's got one. He's got the scars. Yes. That's where it came from. They got it in the Barras, which is a very famous venue in Scotland. The Barras, Barrowlands. So, yeah. you know That it's... must have just sounded like I was just, like, I had a, like, a malfunction or something. But I was like, okay, moving on. <laughs> no, I, 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 you know, edutainment. That's what we're always shooting for. That's right. I, I saw posts today where people were saying that they, they learned the difference between Clue and Cluedo through this show. Congratulations. And also, yeah, uh, to uh, give them credit where credit's due, pointed out that Cluedo came first, which blows my mind. I don't, uh, yeah, that does actually kind of blow my mind. Yeah, because if, if, why would you call it Cluedo if you could just call it Clue in the first place? Uh, anyway. <laughs> it's... It's all a bunch of <laughs> Great Britain nonsense. Um, so, I'm just going to assume they were drunk. I, I, I would imagine the team was spiked. Um, God, a bunch of Brits. Um, so to to keep this train moving forward, even though there is not a train in this particular episode. Uh, so we uh, we cut back to William and Logan uh, following Dolores, you know, scampering off wounded into the woods. And William <laughs> William does the uh, Wilford Brimley from The Thing. 
of like, I'm all right. I want I want to come inside. I'm okay. Uh, and that's what William does. He's like, you know what? I'm okay. You told me that the robot was, I was getting preoccupied. You were right. I want to come inside. And and Logan is like, you know what? Uh, unwisely, like this is something R.J. McCready would never let pass. Yeah, but I think this speaks to Logan. I think this speaks a lot to to Logan as a character. Um, like Logan is very quick to trust, very very quick to trust, and he's already like he he has told them from like from the very from the very moment they arrived in Westworld, Logan has been trying to give William basically his experience of Westworld. You know what I mean? He's been trying to. Yeah. He's he's chose the storylines. He's told them what to do. He's pretty much manipulated and forced them to follow the path that he wanted to do. And William started to forge his own path, which Logan didn't really want to see happen. Um, and it looks like at this stage that William has come back to the fold. Um, and and that's why Logan like tells him a couple of things. The words he knows that the words that Logan wants to hear. And Logan basically cuts his restraints off him and he's like that, you know, I told you, you know, that this place changes you and you find your real self, but I'm so glad that you understand this now and this is something that, this is what I wanted, a bonding experience, we're bonded over this and no, nothing that's happened in here with you and Dolores will ever make its way back to my sister. Um, you know, we, we've, you know, this is, we're going to talk about the, you know, this in the future and all that. This is what bonds us as brothers you know that we are brother-in-laws, and this is this is what has bonded us, and this experience. He's just happy. He feels like Logan feels like what he ultimately planned from their trip has now come to fruition. And even though it involved a lot of kind of tumultuous times along the way, they have ultimately ended up with the result that he wanted from the very start. He gets he gets William back, kind of in a way where William is is no longer trying to be the alpha in the scenario. Uh, Logan is still the alpha and um, everything's everything's great and and they can go back now and they can, you know, close this chapter of their, their trip to Westworld out. Um, but if you're an audience member, Bo, um, or anyone with a little bit of how, you know, intelligence on how a story works, you know, pretty much right from the moment William starts speaking to him, that this is this is, what do you like to call it, frontier gibberish? Yeah, uh, it's pure nonsense. Here. Frontier gibberish. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's completely, it's complete nonsense that that William is telling him just so he can get at his restraints. And by God, when we see how this scene unfolds, it's at one point amazing, in equal parts, completely terrifying, and. Yeah, pretty much informs the uh, one of the theories that we have we've been talking about for a little while now. Yes. Um, all right, but we're we're gonna put that under wraps for just now. Yeah, we ain't talking about that just yet. Cause it's time uh, to rejoin our heroes, the Man in Black and Teddy. Yeah, uh, who are at present, and when last we left them, Angela. <laughs> Uh, the host that we recognized from uh, William's uh, first trip into Westworld 
Mm-hmm. Um, she is working for Wyatt and has them both tied up. Uh, the man in black just watches while Angela uh, kind of gets into Teddy's head and is like, hey, you know, you're not ready to join Wyatt yet, but don't you remember? And we start to get more of Teddy's flashbacks of, you know, his time with Wyatt. And uh, can, I, can I say something? Like, see, at this point here, I guess correctly who Wyatt was. I don't know if you did as well. Uh, not at this point, no. I, I will I'll, then. I'll come back to when we reveal who Wyatt is. I will come back to how I extrapolated my theory on that, which then ultimately became true. But yeah, I, Teddy's another character that I feel very much like Jeffrey. There's some hosts I kind of feel sorry for. Teddy is one such host. Um who is the do-gooder in this. And when we see the memory that he then relives, because um, basically she she says to him, you know, um, she she gets him to recall what White did. And then she's like, are you sure that's how it happened? And he's like, of course I'm sure that's how it happened. You know, I, he, he, went, he went crazy. He started shooting all the innocents. And I tried to stop him. He wouldn't shoot me. And then he shot me. So that's that's what happened, and a little bit of uh, memories come back up, and we see Teddy is the one that is actually killing all the civilians. Yep. Um, and then Teddy is shot. So, but Teddy doesn't believe this. You know, he refuses to believe it because Teddy's the good guy. That's what he, he he's the protector of civilians. He's not the killer of civilians. He's the protector. Right. He just Ted- wants to find his girl, Duncan. That's all he wants, Bo. Can't a man find his girl? Can't a man in Westworld just find his girl, Duncan? <laughs> uh, and yeah, it, it, so at at the end of the day, <laughs> because everybody needs to take a knife in the gut uh, in this episode. I think just in general, uh, that should be something that should be rolled out beyond Westworld into real life. Everyone should at least one point in their life take a knife to the gut. Yeah, I mean, I do it kind of biannually. Um, <laughs> I make a day of it. So, so then, uh, so Angela stabs uh, Teddy in the gut. He dies, and when we we kind of fade out on that, and when we come up, the man in black has a noose around his neck, a rope leading over the branch of a tree. And the rope is then tied to a horse. Yeah. So he's trying to keep the horse from running off, which would in presumably murder him. Yeah. And uh, so he takes the knife out of Teddy's gut. In doing so, he spooks the horse. The horse takes off, but he manages to cut the rope with the knife he's taken from Teddy just in time uh, to uh, land at essentially Charlotte's feet. Yes. And Charlotte has come into the park just to talk to the man in black. And uh, it says, hey, look, I know you're having a good time out here. In <laughs> I love this scene. I love this scene. <laughs> right. It's, you know what it reminds me of, right? It reminds me, like, see, when you're a kid, like, you're a kid and you're you're playing with your friends or you're just maybe even playing, like, a game with yourself and you... You you world build as a kid. Your imagination goes off, and you're 
you're you're you're a transformer, like or, or you're like a, a cowboy, or you're an archaeologist, or you're you're something. You're doing something. You world build, and then your mum comes out and has a conversation and kind of destroys the fantasy. You're like, you know, like your dinner's on the table, and you're like, but mum, I'm, I'm about two seconds away from reclaiming the crystal skull. Right. <laughs> That's because totally you're a real shitty kid and are playing the worst. Role playing the worst Indiana Jones movie, of course, because every kid role plays the worst Indiana Jones movie. Surely, no, I I can't be the only kid that no no preempted that movie. Yeah, I think everyone else was doing you know Raiders and maybe some Temple <laughs> of Doom sprinkled in. You were like, no, no, giant ants, giant ants, and fucking CGI gophers for the win, and um, John Hurt being totally wasted in a movie. Yeah, John Hurt like. You, Give John Hart anything, and he will be gold in a movie. Put John Hart in this movie, and somehow you waste him. I don't understand. Don't, let's not get into this. Let's not get. A, let's not do Kate Blanchett's bad Russian accent. Yes, let's not do it. We'll, we'll do well, it both. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, like, but is that sort of way where the fantasy collapses? And you know, the man in black is uh, this. He's in his stride right now. He's you know, he's he's just overcome a, a death plot against him. And all the rest, and this is something that could feasibly kill him. This is not a like, oh, a bullet's going to shoot him, or like, you know, in the case of this one, violation of the rules of the, the the game, and he's just come out of this, and then one of his work colleagues comes over, hi, you know, he's just like, hi there, I know you're having fun playing your little game. Yeah, that's right, I did air quotations when I said the word game. Sure. However, um, she basically says that they're making a play to oust Ford. And as the majority shareholder, or he isn't the majority shareholder, he has a majority of the shares, though, I think. So he's got the largest bulk, but he's not a majority shareholder, I believe. Is... Right. But she she says, like, I, he and he uh, guesses ahead of time, like, hey, you want me yeah. to vote against Ford? You want to push him out? And he, he says, like, I don't care about Ford. The game I'm playing isn't his. Yeah, so... it's not his. This is Arnold's game, and it's so much bigger than Ford. Right. And he's like, so now I know where I'm going. Uh, how about you piss off so I can finish, right. <laughs> so I can finish my this. game? And, and she kind of does. At, the, at that point, she, she does uh, so piss off. Yeah. And uh, so we have a brief interlude where a character whose name I can never remember because it is... Uh, Elsie, like the head of security that Elsie was Oh, Stubbs. Yeah. So... Oh, fuck, what happened with him? Well, so there's the, the point where they're like... Well, hey, I know, I, I was about to say, I know what happens to him, but that's not something that's been... Oh, we need yeah. to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so, forgot all about that. <laughs> so he, they, they find, uh, there's a signal, and I think it was coming from Elsie's yeah. employee you know, communicator or whatever. Well, Stubbs is being concerned about Elsie. He's the only one that seems to be concerned that she has fucking vanished. Right, and is also the only one who ever showed any kind of suspicion about Bernard being a host, other than, you know, Ford, who knows for sure. But, uh, so he gets called out to investigate this signal coming from, you know, Elsie's Star Trek communicator or whatever. (laughs) And because on the spaceship, they all have them, Duncan. Um, yes. And he gets out there and some of the ghost nation dudes show up 
and he tells them like, "Hey, stand down, everybody," and then they don't, and they just tackle him. Yeah, the, the, for whatever reason, wherever he is, the signal to his whatever device that is wouldn't work, and then they attacked him. So he's to me, this seemed like a bit of a setup. Uh, yeah. Oh, I think that it certainly smacks of conspiracy, Duncan. No doubt about yeah. that. But yeah, it's like someone is trying to remove the head of security while other things are happening in the actual Delos facility, which yeah. we're going to get. Uh, yeah, it's almost like some genius is perhaps <laughs> plotting behind the scenes. Someone who <laughs> knows the ins and outs of Westworld and Delos. Um, so, <laughs> get so excited. Because then, then, Duncan, we uh, catch back up with William and Logan. And Logan wakes up from a drunken, <laughs> uh, you know, stupor. Yeah. To find every last motherfucker dead, Duncan. He wakes up in a field of death, right? This... Yeah. Body parts. <laughs> like this is this is like something from this is like that that story they get about the one of the great offensive pushes of the war, the First World War, where all the soldiers went over from the trench and were just mowed down by the Germans. That is essentially what this is. Every single last person is dead, and he's looking around, hungover to fuck, looking about the place, and then catches that there's only one person still alive who's sitting down, holding a bloody knife in his hands, saturated in blood, and that is our buddy William. Yeah, and that's terrifying because <laughs> he's like, "Okay, buddy, uh, see, so you had some fun last night. Just kind of maybe went off the deep end. Instantly knows that he should not have untied him from the chair. Like that realization washes right over his face really quickly. That 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 classic look of, what the fuck have I done? Yeah, uh, or you fucked up. Um, and once again, Jimmy Simpson is has been a revelation. We've spoke about how much we like him as an actor. He is just on point in this role. What I love about him is his character arc has been one of the, the most satisfying in the show, particularly because we have had a theory about it um, and it has all played directly. You know, it's all moved in a forward trajectory right to where we thought it was going to go. And this to me is the catalyst of where that character will ultimately end up. This is the this is almost the this is the Anakin Skywalker, you know, mowing down the Jedi, all the little kids, you know, to become Darth Vader. You know, it's like there's a lot of symbolism there that works in well with what I'm talking about. If you know what I mean, if you can read between the lines, because um, this is brutal, cold, calculating murder of many, 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 many people. Yes, and and William uh, looks just ruthless too. Like yeah, the he look looks in his, Yeah, he's he's a murder machine at this point. Yeah, he is more murder machine than man. Uh, <laughs> he's William portrait of a serial killer. Uh, <laughs> it's how we divide all these characters on the show. Um, they're either meat and potatoes or <laughs> portrait of a serial killer. Only two categories of character on Westworld. Uh, so, Wasn't that uh, we, we kind of glossed over it, but that's one of the things that Hale basically says to to the man in black about Ford is she's like that you you know you get off on all all these little narratives and get absorbed by them when ultimately all people want to do is either come here and and fuck or kill and we don't need sophisticated storylines and all these intricacies to do that 
less is more in the grand scheme of things. You know, you, and that's you know that's kind of her line to him. We don't need Ford for any of this. People will still come to this park, even if it's at its base level, not as sophist- sophisticated as it is. And that's you know when the man in black's like, yeah, whatever, right? And then let, let me play my fucking game. And I said, Mom, I'm in the middle of a level. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> so like, um, and and off she fucks. But that's that's exactly that's exactly wh- where we are with this. William is is a murder machine. The the game has transformed his character, has unlocked something which was probably always there, um, but the game has brought it out to the forefront, and it's terrifying. Speaking of bringing things to the forefront, Duncan, <laughs> ace they segue. Yes, it is time to get into some shit. <laughs> so, back at Bernard's uh, memory-fueled breakdown, <laughs> he is remembering more and more to the point of uh, having uh, a robot lockup a little bit, yep. where he's like, you know, does not compute. Mm-hmm. Um, but what Bernard is beginning to remember is the kind of the big revelation of this episode and and uh, it is intercut between scenes of Dolores's investigations as yeah. well and also punctuated by uh Anthony Hopkins as Ford talking over all of it to describe basically here's what's happening in Westworld y'all buckle in yeah and so we're seeing dolores push into the town of of her memory uh escalante mm-hmm. with the church and all that stuff the the stuff that's been excavated by ford and uh we're seeing like her memories and bernard's memories all kind of flowing together which is only right because yes. what we learned, Duncan, is that uh, Bernard, as someone on this show may have suggested, <laughs> Bernard is a host based on Arnold. Yeah, he's he's an Arnold clone. Yes. And that uh, Arnold was in the business of trying to create consciousness. Mm-hmm. That is That was his entire aim with uh, Westworld. Um. And it's also why, uh, you know, that's the voice that all the hosts hears and all that stuff. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny because uh, in this scene, Ford says, like, it's ironic that you are forced to keep making the same mistakes that Arnold made Mm -hmm. over and over again. Like, you're you're so much like him. So like us, Duncan. And And... (laughs) Uh, asks him also about the the idea of the cornerstone memories and uh, you know his being the death of his child. Uh, they also talk about having to sever Maeve with her cornerstone memory, which mm-hmm. is of her child as well. And they had to erase all that. That's why she ended up at uh, at the brothel because they had to get rid of that. She was like the memory of the loss of her child was becoming too problematic for her. Uh, as a host and and creating all kinds of problems. And we see 
you know, that Dolores has been meeting with, you know, what we understand now is not just Bernard, but Arnold. Yeah. And, and so we have actually, for much of this season, been seeing the real honest-to-goodness Arnold, I believe. Yes. Every time we, like, the the very beginning, the I would say the first four episodes where we joined Dolores chatting to Bernard in the facility, which we now know is under the church. Uh, is this kind of secret lab area stroke facility which has this talking booth um all those sequences have been with arnold not bernard um which i find satisfying actually i i kind of wonder because i had i had a theory at, at many many episodes ago my theory was that bernard may have been arnold and may have not been able to see himself in the picture because you can't see things that don't make sense um, to a host, anything that kind of is out with their spectrum of what they should know or shouldn't know um, is filtered out. It becomes like a blank spot to them. Um, And we had kind of tossed that idea around a little bit and thought where it might go. Um, and ultimately this felt incredibly satisfying to me, even though it, it gives me an answer that I kind of guessed episodes and episodes ago, this didn't feel anticlimactic at all. If anything, it kind of made me feel that one, I got the show a bit better than I thought I had at certain points, but the ultimate reveal and the explanations further felt really satisfying because it wasn't a twist for the sake of a twist. It makes sense from a story point of view. And that's the beauty, like, when we continue through the many twists that are going to be revealed over the next ex- uh, episode and a, and a bit, all of them, to me, worked pretty much spot on um, in a way that ha- if you had been guessing since episode two that Bernard was Arnold, I don't feel that this reveal kind of spoiled anything. You know, I was like, oh, well, I knew this episodes ago. Um it was revealed at the right time and in the right context to make it feel completely satisfying. Um, and all those things, all those all those conversations that we now know Arnold was having when he was going through the, the book that he used to read to his child, Alice in Wonderland, um, and, you know, all, all the things, all those conversations they were having about consciousness in secret from, from Ford all relate back to the repressed memories that Dolores has and the maze. Um, Which I I can't wait to talk about the maze because this show did something so cool with the maze, which I just, I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it because it once again did exactly what we had kind of said in a roundabout way in an earlier episode. So uh, kind of feel like we need to do a lot of patting ourselves on the back for this. Yes. Uh, I, I, we are very definitely smarty pants and no more than <laughs> people and, and should be listened to and revered. Uh, <laughs> Five stars on iTunes is enough, ladies and gents. Just leave us right. a couple. Uh, so, you know, and, and we get to see like the first moments where Bernard gains his feet as a, a host and. Which ties in with, you know, like, because Hopkins, uh, as Ford had said to him, listen, you never met Arnold. 
you met me. I created you. Arnold didn't create you. And he's like, well, no, no, I've got this code in me. And he's like, right, you might have this code, but you never met him, though. You came after him. Um, and obviously, the first we had this, we lived through the memory, his cornerstone memory of the death of his son, but he brings his son back. Um, and then his son tells him to open his eyes. And when he opens his eyes, he is in that room with Ford and Ford is a bit younger got some black in his hair uh, amongst the grey um, and you know basically sets them all up and you know gives him his glasses his like final touch and then gets him to do putting the glasses on he's like nah it's not when he used to clean his glasses he always used to use it as a, a, a time to think or ponder something and so reset try it again does it and that's funny because he's done that loads in the show which I really like. It's small touches like that. You know, like whenever he's cleaning these glasses, he's thinking about something. Um, and that's, we've seen plenty of scenes where Bernard's been doing that. And that's where all that stems from. It's a character piece that, you know, Ford did attention to detail so he could have his old partner back. Indeed. And and we, we sort of wrap the scene with Dolores back in the room where she had spoken with Arnold all those times. And she makes one more revelation, uh-huh. which is uh, that she killed Arnold. Yes, she is the one that killed Arnold, because Arnold isn't there. She she's now sitting having a conversation with a memory, um, a one that she's had several times apparently, um, and she she knows uh, Bernard doesn't know yet, but uh, she knows that she killed Arnold. We don't have the ins and outs, but we know that she did it. Um, Bernard doesn't have the greatest time, let's be honest, because Bernard doesn't end up in the best shape at the end of this episode. Well, before we get to uh, Bernard, old meat potato Bernard's sad fate, (laughs) um, the last image we have of Dolores is, you know, coming up from the, the basement of the church where she had spent all that time with Arnold. Going back into the church, which is now empty, you know, her memory of all the defective uh, hosts uh, looking all crazy are gone. The door bursts open, and who should it be but the man in black? So, Oh, yeah. The man in black and Dolores are now together, but we have to go back to uh, Bernard and Ford, which kind of uh, reps the episode where Ford is like, hey... You know, human beings have essentially become the dominant species, you know? And he actually makes the comment, like, do do you know what happened to the Neanderthals? (laughs) We ate them, Banan. Uh, See, when he says we ate them, I was wanting to hear with some father beans and a nice Chianti. Um, I was like, never, never so much have I been like, just do Hannibal later. Go on, go on, just do it, do it, do it, do it. But he doesn't do it. They ate him bad. Yeah. So, and and what Ford says is like, hey, the real the the real danger to all the hosts and their well being right now isn't me. Mm-hmm. It's you. You mm-hmm. know, like Ford telling Bernard, like you are you are the thing that that could disrupt all of this. And yeah. uh, then because he has a plan. Right. He has he has a, a super secret Ford plan. And then we realize that Ford has a backdoor into everyone's code because he orders Clementine to put the gun down 
Uh, and Bernard is like, so you could have stopped me at any point. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you? And uh, Ford says, well, it's because I kind of hoped that after you, you know, had all these realizations that you would still want to be my partner. Yeah, because they've done this dance, but this is the thing that comes out of it. Like, they have done this, like, there are apparently has been so many times that Bernard has kind of started to piece together that there's something inherently wrong. Um, And has approached Ford, and Ford has played it out several different ways um, in the past and always ended up with ultimately wiping his program, resetting them. Um, And this time, Purely from, and you can imagine it from Ford's point of view, purely from a, a curiosity point of view, he's like, I'm going to let this play out. Maybe maybe this is the catalyst we need for him to become what I've always needed, which is someone that is aware of who he is, aware of what he is, but is still prepared to work with me unconditionally as a partner on the project. Maybe this is, the, this is maybe potentially the thing that gains him that that point on the triangle that, you know, um, Arnold was always on about. And it didn't. Ultimately, he came away with exactly the same conclusion he's come away with every single time this scenario was played out. Yeah, and, and he certainly makes a comment that suggests that his falling out with Arnold was along the same lines. You know, he says, yeah. you know, why why would I expect history to to be different this time yeah and puts uh uh bernard into uh uh narrative mode where he just does whatever ford says and so (laughs) ford says you know uh bernard put the gun to his temple and ford starts to leave and it's this wonderful scene where jeffrey wright just says you know robert and Anthony Hopkins says, you know, Bernard, the mistake you made is trusting us. Yeah. Because we're, the way he puts it is, you know, we're only human, Bernard. And then starts walking down the hall saying he's got a celebration to plan. And he says, you know, Bernard pulled the trigger. And then you hear a gunshot and a body fall to the floor. And Bernard's no good, very bad, terrible, awful day (laughs) is finally done Duncan no more suffering for Bernard he's just <laughs> gonna be uh you know a nothing which I, some would argue is better than the tortured soul that he is so yeah. that's Westworld Duncan uh <laughs> we'll see everybody in 2018 both uh yeah yeah both. yeah yeah what's up um there's another episode what and not only that, but that episode was an hour and a half long. <laughs> oh my goodness. How will we ever fit it in? Uh, all right. So. Uh... I'll say this. For for an episode that was an hour and a half long that flew in. It, it super flew in. It, was very, it felt very quick to watch. Um... I don't feel there's as much to discuss in this episode coming up as there was um, in episode number nine. I thought episode number nine had a lot of talking points, but it set up a lot of questions. You're like, answer some questions, but set up a lot of plot points, which basically are hammered very, very, very precise and succinctly 
in in the final episode of the season. I mean, we will have still questions at the end of it, but I think we're going to fly through this second review because there is so much I want to say about it, but a lot of it relates to just what we've just spoken about. It's answering the things that we've already just said. Um, Well, so shut up then, and let's do it. (laughs) Uh, Episode 10, Duncan, is entitled The Bicameral Mind. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, it is a reference, of course, to uh, the theory of consciousness uh, put forth early in the season. This episode is written and uh, written by Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan. Familiar names if you've been listening to this show or watching Westworld. And also uh, directed by Jonathan Nolan, uh, familiar to people who watch movies. And yeah, he so he um he has opened and closed Westworld. So he did the first episode as a director and he's done the final episode as well. Yes. And we get the uh another opening with Dolores mm-hmm. uh you know narrating the episode to an extent. And except this is Dolores 1.0. Uh Yes. It, it's her talking it's Arnold welcoming Dolores into the world. And she is a face and partial shoulders and hands and feet mm-hmm. and then a bunch of Terminator stuff. <laughs> the, the, the CGI special effects, we've spoken about how flawless they are on this show. And you can tell that they're spending about $10 million per episode because this is as good as I've ever seen um, like a science fiction android look. Um on, on screen before i thought it was i thought the the special effects were were pretty phenomenal and the creation of the character yeah it it kind of reminded me of the effects from like ex machina a little <laughs> bit and but it's just as cool as that it, it's really really neat um and then dolores kind of wakes up and she is color purpling uh the man in black <laughs> which I don't know if anyone's going to get that reference, but so (laughs) she's shaving him with his own knife and they're kind of chatting fairly amicably. And, uh, she, you know, she's saying like, Oh, I've never been here before. And the man black's like, sure you have, uh, you don't remember it, but you've been here a bunch of times. And then she has, uh, one of her flashbacks, and the man in black is like, oh, she might be having a maze flashback, so I need to go follow her. And uh, and follow her, uh, he does. But uh, not before we flashback to the man in... Uh, not man in black, well, kind of. It's William uh, with Logan... <laughs> Spoiler! <laughs> uh, sorry. So William uh, is leading Logan behind his horse... In a way that might be familiar, if you recall the man in black uh, carrying Lawrence behind him, it's yeah, the same it's move. Yeah. Once again, like, the, the writing is on the wall here, people. Yeah, between the knife, like, one, the last one of the last things we see is Dolores dropping, the, you know, the big knife that we've seen recurring throughout the, this show, uh, yeah. which is a, a, also a piece of evidence, but... Uh, yeah, so w- William is dragging Logan behind him. Uh, they they run across uh, some some desperados, some banditos, and it turns out that it's not Lawrence uh, from the 
the the previous time uh and then uh we shift to teddy uh who was killed in the last episode as we know uh stabbed right in the gut and teddy's rolling back up into westworld back on the train um you know getting off doing the the same routine only he's still plagued by flashbacks and in this case it is every damn last person in uh in town lying dead in the streets um he he's clearly out of his loop yeah uh, or what we assume to be his loop and in this flashback he sees Dolores standing alone in this field of bodies uh with a lone wolf running between them uh in mm-hmm. in an artistic little touch um but yeah so Teddy is all jacked up. He's uh, hinky, as we've described before. And um, (laughs) ends up kind of drawing down on a dude in Sweetwater and freaking all the other hosts out. And Mm -hmm. uh, which I I think is great that, you know, again, because we know what we know, this is all planned. Uh, You know, I, I don't think it's wrong to look at it in that context, maybe, that mm-hmm. this is all just an element of where Teddy and Dolores need to end up. Yeah. And, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, so Teddy guns down uh, just a random dude in the street that happens to bump into him and is like, Dolores. And jumps back uh, on the train so that he can uh, seek out his lady love. Um, mm-hmm. Meanwhile, we uh, once more cut to uh, Dolores and um, Arnold. You know, Arnold as, as he exists in Dolores's memory. And we're, we're kind of fading back and forth. In fact, there's a cool little transition where we see Dolores uh, walking out of the church and towards the graveyard. And the man in black following behind her, and then it's or it's Arnold, and then all of a sudden it's the man in black. And we, you know, understand that Dolores doesn't really see the man in black. She's lost in her own memories. And repeats the, uh, the kind of riddle of the maze, which is, uh, it's, it's what somewhere, uh, somewhere you can never go and somewhere you uh-huh. always are, something like that. And uh-huh. Dolores pieces it together and realizes that what is being discussed is her grave uh, yeah. outside the church. And uh, Duncan, you want to take it? Because uh, we discover the maze. Yeah, so so basically Dolores um, goes to her grave uh, and starts unearthing uh, uh, like a small tin can. Um, like a circular tin can and of course the man in black is standing back waiting to see what the, the I think he doesn't think this is the maze that's in there I think he thinks is the next clue to lead him to the maze, he believes that the maze is Wyatt um, this ultimate challenge this 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 challenge that can actually like the perfect robot that can hurt a human and all the rest and give him what he wants the most realistic I, I'm a, I'm guessing most realistic battle or death or the, the final thrill, so to speak. But it's not. It's a steel, almost like a brand at first I thought it was, but it's, it's actually a puzzle. 
Um, it is a, a metal version of the, the maze shape that we've seen before. And we find out very shortly after this that it's one of those puzzle mazes that you get that you put the steel ball in and you have to move around to try and get it to the centre. Um, and she looks at this and she then has flashbacks to her conversation with Arnold, or as we call him, Bernard, who is actually Arnold. Um, and we find out that much to something that I think we had guessed. I, I want to say we guessed a lot of this as well, actually, that I said that I reckoned that she had either been to the maze or had, had done something which had ultimately forced her to be reset back into this mundane loop that she got landed in. Um, in the case of this one, she didn't quite get there, but in the past... All these steps, all these flashbacks we got of her having the the books read to her, the, the work that Arnold had done on the hush-hush with her, um, out of sight of uh, Ford, had been to set up this idea of the maze being this... The, the way consciousness was described as the bicameral mind, it was a pyramid shape, a triangle. And I can't remember what the three elements were. Oh. Any it was um hold on it was give, give me two seconds i'm gonna tell you yeah because uh, it's three columns they split the pyramid into three sections so the foundation the middle and the top and through each step of achieving this you would if you achieve the top level you will achieve essentially consciousness you will you will have the thing that makes humans humans uh, that robots don't have um so the original idea put forward by Arnold was that the bicameral mind is this triangular shape, and these are the steps that you need to achieve in order to have it. Um, however, uh, through extensive work from Arnold with the Lois, he found that the, that it's not a triangle at all. You can't just go from one state of being to the next state of being to the next state of being, and by the way, you're now you have human consciousness because that's not how it works. Well, all right. So the first two steps, is, the first one is memory. Yep. The second one is improvisation. And yes. the third, he doesn't define. Yes, it's the, the next level. So he, he has basically allowed them to access a memory. So this is this, um, this part of the code, which is inherently Arnold, which has reappeared in the coding of the, the host's since the start of this season is this part of this code which has been reintroduced, which was there originally. Um, and then the next is the improvisation, which is basically what he was doing in the clips we saw in the earlier episodes where he's having conversations with her. Why do you say that? Where did that come from? All these sort of things. He's basically talking her through the stages. And he believes he achieves it with her. Um, so much so that it leads to a flashback scene that we see of um, uh, Ford running in and having an argument with Arnold um, about this, about uh, about what they've done. But well, and it's she... it's the first time too that Arnold says we've got we've got to close the park. Like I'm going to tell Robert yeah. what we found here. We've yes. got to shut down the park. We can't open it because because you're alive and you're alive. Yeah. Whatever theme park bullshit we were doing is taking a backseat to the important thing, which is we have somehow managed to create artificial life. 
it's not even that. He knows what the plans for the park are, and he could never, in good conscience, put someone with human consciousness through the the rape and murder that they're going to be put through all the time. Yeah, even from a scientific point of view, he won't do that. So he he is going to tell Ford that he can't. They can't open, can't open Ford's dream. Like Ford's dream is to create this new world, and we've already found out where that comes from. Um. Yeah. So yeah. But that's where things get really interesting, from my point of view, anyway, um, was that he then, you know, she then comes out of that, and she knows that she has potentially achieved it in the past, but she doesn't know how she achieved it in the past. Um, and whatever whatever she did achieve was wiped from her memory. Um, and the man in black is not pleased because this isn't the answer that he wanted. This is he has trekked. He has spent years in this park and has trekked and has travelled and has made sacrifices and has done all this stuff to get to this point, to get to the understanding of what the maze is, the ultimate game put in place by Arnold, and what he's looking at is a puzzle, a small kids puzzle. And a lot of gibberish coming out of this robot. A lot of, you know, oh, I was almost there. I could almost touch it, but now I can't remember. I was, I, I had it at one point, but I don't have it now. And he's like, right, 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 right. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold up here. Or, in the Western tones, whoa! Um, he's like, let's... No, this this isn't right. You know, I need to know what the maze is. What What is the maze? Where Where is why? Why is the maze? I need... That this isn't right, and Ed Harris is brilliant in this because this is the first time we've seen the character unsure because he's been a beacon of of um. He's of got confidence. a single-minded purpose, you know. It's yeah, yeah. Here's all the way thing. through the yeah. show. He is he's essentially he has emulated a host. If you think about it, what does a host have? A host has a loop, and what is that loop? One point or like one singular interest that they must achieve. And that is essentially what the man in black has become, is stuck in this loop of must, I must be able to fulfill my dream, like we spoke about about the previous episode. And this this ongoing theme throughout the show is the pursuit of one's dreams does not always end in joy. It most likely will end in disillusionment, hollowness and pain. Um and that's essentially what, you know, he refuses. He refuses to believe that this is the maze. Refuses to believe. Point blank. Throws away the the the, the piece of metal um, toy. Throws it away from her. And he's decided that maybe she's not being completely honest with him. As you do, Bo. You, you, you know, right. if you're the man in black, a bit frustrated, maybe. Yeah, he, he definitely gives her uh, what they call in, uh, or what Ike Turner refers to as what for. Um, <laughs> a mild disagreement in the Ike Turner handbook. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Stern talking to. Uh, yeah, he gets a bit a bit punch happy. And he he just, he, he lays her out, doesn't he? Just kind of puts her down and um he really just he becomes the he, he defaults to the base level of the man in black which is ultimately violence will solve 
the issue. If you hit someone hard enough, or you you know you murder enough people, um, you will get you will get what you want. That's his that's his outcome. And um, what we get is we get um, Dolores saying, you know, you can hit me, you can hurt me, whatever you want, but my love will come back and save me. My love will will rescue me. Um, because I had a love and he, he will find me, he promised to find me, he will find me and like the man in black thinks this is Teddy that she's on about and he's like alright right, Teddy and all of that and, and, and she makes the mistake you could say of saying William, his name and then very much like are we jumping loads here to go into this or should we just jump into this uh yeah, let's go I ahead and jump like... in. Yeah, because we've been kind of dancing around it, and let, let's let's do it. Let's get let's get this revelation uh, done with. Yeah. So essentially, um, at first the man in black the man in black takes over the role that Ford did in the previous episode of uh, narration over the top of a lot of memory and exposition. So he basically says uh, that he knew William once um, and uh, after losing Dolores, um, William, you know, took Logan and they they started travelling the length and breadth of Westworld and we see the path of destruction and that path is very bloody, a lot of people, he just guns down everyone, innocent or guilty, civilian or military or lot, he's, he's just gunning down everyone um, and dragging poor Logan behind them till they eventually end up at this, the end of the park, which is what Logan wanted from the start, he wanted to go to the furthest reaches of the park and by this point Logan is naked on a horse. Or it's like we we like to call that here Tuesday in Glasgow. Boom. That is, that's... Boy, you guys do a lot during the week. We do. Well, there's so much. There's only seven days to drink, so we try and do it all in those seven days and then repeat. <laughs> that's our loop, right? I, uh, <laughs> I've heard worst. <laughs> so um, we get the conversation between the the two of these characters and it's funny because logan still doesn't quite get you know what i mean logan is in it for himself has always been in it for himself but he starts to put i don't know if you come away with the same conclusion but logan starts to put his personality on top of william he's basically this has been your plan all along is to is to basically you know is, is to get me out of here uh, and you know, and to fulfill your desire, this darkness that you've had inside you all along, this park has you know not woken it. It's always been there, and you just use this as a vehicle. You use this trip as a vehicle. And um, William says, "Well, there's one thing I have learned is that you know I am going to suggest that we put a lot of money into this park. We're gonna we're gonna basically fund this park." A previous conversation we'd heard between the two is the park was doing poor on money and funds. Um, and I had suggested that there was a conversation <laughs> which made it sound like the park had only been open three, four years, which didn't make sense in the chronology of what we knew with uh, Arnold's death being 34 years ago. So maybe this was set four years after Arnold's death, blah, 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 blah. Turns out I was right. 
comes out. I was right, Bo. Um, and Williams like that. We're going to invest a lot of money. And Logan's like, what? You're not in charge. This is my company. Delos is my company. And we're like, ah, so they're the guys behind Delos. Yep. Um, and he's like that. Well, no, you're. There's no way the, your father is going to hand the company to you after like look at you. You're reckless and arrogant and. You know, they're never going to do that. They're going to they're going to give it to me, um, and you know, you wanted to be at the edge of the park, and this and this seems like the right place. To... So I, I'm not sure. I'm assuming at the end of this that Logan is still alive. Yeah, I mean, we haven't put too fine a point on it uh, in terms of the narrative, but I I get that impression too. I think it's just like I'm going to humiliate you. I'm I'm asserting myself and. You know, like uh, the man in black himself says later, once we get the revelation that he is, in fact, William, um, mm-hmm. you know, he says, like, look, this what happened was you you showed me who I was or yeah. this place did. You know, I learned that the world outside is a game two, one to be taken in yes. one. And of all the people you have ever encountered in Westworld, I am the one that this belongs to, you know? Yeah. And yeah, because he he essentially knocks him away down the, the road, and on his way back after killing lots of people, picks up a black hat, and we're like, oh, wait a second here, wait a second here, and he says that he eventually did find Dolores. You know, he, he did find her, and he found her right back where he started, and it's that loop, the Dolores loop. She drops the can, it rolls down, he smelled at her, and she didn't recognize him. So their journey, all that humanity that he thought was there was gone and he realized at that point that that wasn't you know that wasn't what interested him about the park anymore and he also says that he visited several times after um and got very bored with dolores really quickly yeah, and then that's moved a on. harsh a harsh it line. really is that is like that you know that is where that's how much you see how much William is twisted as a character is that he bores of her like the guests bore of everything else in the park after a while. Um, and ultimately it set up this new plan to to experience everything. His goal was to experience everything that was in the park, to go every place, to talk to everyone in the park. And that is what has ultimately led him on this journey for the maze and why who he believes is the center of the maze, the perfect opponent. Um, and that's right. He basically says to, you know, you opened my eyes to the game and I, I've taken it forward and this place is mine. I own this place. Um, I own the ground. I own everything. And uh, do we want to continue on? Because things get so fucking bitching. I, all right, I think we carry it up to the conversation that they have uh, where, like, after the beating and she, uh, he tells her, you know, you, you helped me find myself and now tell me where the center of the maze is. And then she repeats what he's heard before, which is the maze is not meant for you. And, yes. you know, and, and we understand now that it truly isn't. Like, the, the maze is just for the hosts. Yeah, and, what I love about this, Bo, is that we also, me and you, hypothesized that the maze wasn't, right. wouldn't be the most important thing in the show. Yes, said that, that it was metaphorical, it was, yeah. Yeah, maybe this was a, 
maybe this was very. I I said specifically that the Nolans have a tendency to do a bit of, and the prestige sprung to mind straight away of this idea of the red herring. It's concentrate on one thing, keep concentrating on it, which is this this idea of how is the trick done and going to the nth, the nth degree, the ends of the world to solve the trick when the answer is the answer all along. You know, the answer that was was pretty much put out right from, from the start in a roundabout way. And from the moment the man in black started on this mission, the message that has kept being put forward to him is the maze is not for you. And he is taking it as a challenge instead of taking it as fact. The maze is not for him. The maze isn't meant for him at all. Um, and I love this because it is in some way an important element of the story, but of the whole season of Westworld, it is probably the cornerstone, the linchpin of it all, but in its reveal, it is so insignificant in the grand scheme of what we've seen, but it still remains what will ultimately, I believe, shape whatever Westworld will go in season two. I think that's incredibly clever. Yeah, it, it's really, really well done. The whole scene and like all these revelations are fantastic. I got to tell you, my favorite part of this whole sequence, though, is when the man in black starts to to uh give her a little a little smack uh, <laughs> a little uh, a little back talk mm-hmm. and and gets rough with her um there's a great moment where you know she starts crying and william says uh we can just call him william now william says yeah. uh you know oh great here come the waterworks and mm-hmm. she she gives him this cold ass speech about like oh <laughs> I'm not crying because you hurt me or something. I'm crying mm-hmm. because of time, essentially. Yeah. You know? And, and this is brutal. This is cold as fuck. I love it. Yeah. When when she's like, look, they say that long ago, uh, you know, great beasts as big as mountains roamed the earth. And now all we have left are feathers and, and, and amber. Yeah. And time is the thing that, that ruins everyone. And she comes close and puts her hand on his cheek and says... Look at what it's done to you. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. And then he gives her some more shit, and she just knocks him out. And oh yeah, she 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 like she kneels from the matrix. She like she upgrades. Like she basically talks about how frail humans are and how she will outlive him. And this park is not his. Um, yeah. And, and then she like beats the shit out of him <laughs> well she drags him through the church like we saw him that's drag amazing. her into the barn yeah and it's, it's, that's what i love about the show is it do this it's mirror images it's so well done and the look on ed harris's face of just total shock and like the fuck is going on right now <laughs> is so good he looks so surprised by this and and they kind of do flicks his arm i love yeah. where she just like like a couple of hits and then she just snaps his arm to highlight the point that he's frail. Yeah, and, and humanity and, is frail. It's oh. and he does get like get, gets his knife out and and once more gives her one in the gut because you can't go an episode without Dolores getting just gutted. Well, she's not. The thing is, she has not achieved true consciousness at this point, so she can't hurt. So she takes the gun out. She holds the gun to his face, but she can't pull the trigger. Right. And, and that's that's his ultimate fuck you to her, and that's what gives him the opportunity to shove a fucking knife right in her stomach. 
But, but, and this is where we'll leave it here and we'll, we'll jump to one of the other storylines. Uh, but Teddy rolls in just in the nick of time yeah. and, uh, like, you know, shoots the man in black and, and, you know, not kills him, but, uh, gets rid of him for the moment. And, uh, then, you know, Teddy comes to Dolores' side and, and she is like, oh, Teddy, oh, Teddy. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. Take me to the take me to the place where the mountains meet the sea, Teddy. Pay, pay me like your French girls, Teddy. And so Sing to me, Teddy. Sing to me. Sing to me, Teddy. Oh, the lights growing dim, Teddy. Um so What's that, Ma? What's that, Pa? You behind you behind the door? Just past the light? Oh, Teddy. Teddy, I see Arnold. Arnold's calling me, Teddy. <laughs> what's that? What's that, Teddy? Little Timmy's trapped down the well. No, that's a different story. Oh, I got rough, rough, Teddy, rough. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a very powerful scene, and we're just belittling it. Both. Yeah, but it, yeah, it's a, it's a great scene, and and uh, Dolores. Uh, it, is lifted out off the ground by Teddy who, who tosses her on the back of the horse uh, and, and rides away. And, and I feel like there shall we leave them for a moment. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the, the story will eventually circle back to here, but there's so much more to discuss. Oh, so much more. Oh yes. Cause back at Delos, uh, <laughs> Maeve has been reassembled. Yeah, quickly and proficiently. Yeah, and and we get to see it, it was kind of cool because you get to see like the Tandy Newton dip, where yeah. uh you know like she's nothing because she got burned up. She's nothing but a skeleton. Uh, when they when we first see her and and we see that oh we're not putting the explosive in the C six vertebrae, uh mm-hmm. vertebra, and uh, how's your vertebra? Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> That's that's my new character. The, 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 the dude bro chiropractor. Yeah, exactly right. That's exactly where I was headed. Uh, how's your vertebra? Uh, <laughs> honestly, for our listeners, that is totally a concept you can you can run with. You can open a business, <laughs> and you call it vertebra, and it is a a dude bro chiropractor. That's B R A H. Yeah. R A H. How's your back, bra? <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Maeve, <laughs> so dumb. Maeve is getting assembled, uh, and, and, you know, when she wakes up, she's still Maeve, but now she doesn't have the bomb in her, and she's like, hey, where are my friends? Uh-huh. And so we now know that Maeve, Hector, and Armistice are all kind of awake and conscious and at Delos. Yes. Which is good a, things will happen, surely. I mean, depending on which side you're on, Duncan, I think you're right. I actually think we're all on the same side, but we're going to get to that shortly. Yeah, because we we had said several episodes ago, like, "Hey, wait for it," because we're going to get the eventual robot up uprising here, and yeah. it's coming because yeah. now we've got uh, Hector and, or I'm sorry, uh, Felix and Sylvester kind of helping out Hector and Armistice and Maeve. Mm. And it's uh, Felix who takes them down to the, you know, scary storage room with all the uh, decommissioned 
hosts. Yeah. And so she goes looking for uh, Clementine. Yeah, you've jumped. You've jumped a tiny little badass moment here. Um, so before Hector and uh, before Hector and Armistice are reactivated, um, there looks like at, oh, this is how seedy this show is, right? So one of them is working on Armistice, one of the technicians, not one that we know is working on Armistice, and then Hector gets wheeled in by this other guy, this kind of technician who likes men, shall we say? Right, right. And he's he's about to get his fuck on with with Hector. Oh, like yes. he's about to get down and dirty. And it is the way he goes about it is like he, his colleague says something about him like making a play at him and he's like, No, no, you know, like I've got something better. And we're like, Oh, he's got he's gonna fuck this robot. He's gonna fuck this robot. And, and what I love about this is that it, it gives you what you want in terms of like he puts his headphones in takes down his trousers he's about to get his fuck on and the other room the other technician is working an armistice and puts his finger in her mouth and as soon as he did that i was like oh no and she does she bites his finger off and then proceeds to kick the ever-loving fuck out of him like we see we hear this guy's music and see from from looking at his face behind him to her just throwing this guy about the place she then pins him down, takes the tip of his finger that she's bitten off, makes the guy eat it. That's and then maybe the raddest this. of all rad things, yes. Yeah, like he's fucking terrified. And then throws him through a plain glass window, which separates the room, distracting the other guy. And then Hector guts the guy, um, just as uh, Felix and Maeve come into the room. And then Sylvester comes in, Armistice pins Sylvester up against the wall, says he has a guilty look on his face. Um, and and I, I like him saying, like, no, 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 that's just how I look. That's just how I look. Maeve, Maeve tell, tell her it's how I look. That's how I look, isn't it? Right, right. Um, and then they go on the hunt for Bernard, which is what leads them down into that kind of decommissioning room where we saw Bernard put a bill in his head and like me and Bo said in the previous episode, that was his story over, wasn't it, right, Bo? That's yeah. unfinished. Yeah, poor poor Bernard's never gonna have to uh you know, deal with any of the horrors of the existence that he's been forced into again. Um except that uh Maeve finds him bloody on the floor and is like, Hey Felix, make that work again. Yeah, which is what he does. He brings him back, basically, and, and Bernard bit confused as to why he's back. Um, Realises that he's, his mind hasn't been wiped, so he still has all his memories, all his recollection. Everything is still there and intact. And he gets a hold of the the analysis pad and then makes a shocking discovery. One that we hadn't pieced together at all. And I don't know why, because when I thought about this, I thought this is super obvious. Um like all the time we've been saying that Maeve could be potentially the center of the maze. She could be the consciousness that we've talked about. Look at how far she's come. She has remembered things from her past. She has, you know, set about enhancing herself, becoming more what we would describe as conscious uh, and making an effort, a plan to escape. 
And we thought she was doing that of her own free will. And Bernard very, very quickly tells her that someone has actually hacked her storyline. And this is her storyline. Her storyline is to increase her ability, raise an army and escape the park. So nothing that she has done is out with her programming. It's all part of a story. She, this is what I was saying about, you were saying depending on whose side you're on, I think it's all the same side. I think it's conceivable to say that this is Ford. Maybe? You disagree? No, I I, I think you're right. Um, I, I mean, think this is a, a distraction process by Ford to get everyone in the Delos facility, uh, for lack of a better word, um, distracted while something else plays out. Yeah, well, and, you know, with the action in the previous episode to get the head of security kind of under wraps um, and, you know, all the stuff going on with Maeve and, you know, disrupting the the inner workings of uh, Delos itself. Yeah, it's all part and parcel of this grand scheme that we are leading up to uh, the reveal of. Um, but I thought this was brilliant. I thought this yeah. was like, because this to me was the first truly... I did not guess this at all. Right, and but, well, she yeah. refuses to believe it, though. She refuses to believe that someone has changed. And he's like, well, no, like, you, what, what, let me guess. The next thing you're going to do is go here, and then you're going to go to this place, then you're going to get in a train and leave. It's all scripted here. It's all in your story. This is This is your story. And she's having none of it. Right, well, because, you know, for her, it would not make sense that she has been further duped by her programmers you know the, yeah. the masters uh of this world uh you know because all of this has been informing her that this is free choice this is her yeah. awakening and when you yeah. find out no 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 even that even your rebellion is just part of a plot that's amazing it's it, a great reveal yeah it, it's fantastic and um so let's let's play a, a little bit of catch up here with ford yeah uh, because we there are two important scenes that we need to talk about to to bring us current. One yes. is Charlotte finally goes to Ford and yep. lets the hammer drop. You know, much like uh, not jeez, uh, 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 who Teresa did. Yes, you know, like yeah, yeah. not in the same environment, so there's much less risk of her having her head broken open. Yeah, like she she is she's done it the the you understand the way they've probably been trying to do it for a while, but I've only finally managed to do it. She has got the board to agree. So this isn't just a you know like a clumsily flung together plot of look, these robots are dangerous because of this quack code that you wrote and installed. Um this is a, I have spoken to the board, the board have no confidence in you, the board want you to resign. Um, we'll put a replacement in and your big story launches tonight and you will make your announcement then. Right. And after that, we've seen that Lee has already positioned himself to be the, the new narrator of, yeah. of the park. And, and Charlotte has, I love, I love, uh, I was going to say, I love uh, Hopkins line about what makes you think I'm not going to break my toys before I leave. And he kind of smiles at her. Um, <laughs> you know, like, just like, and when he said that, I was like, oh, something's going to happen. <laughs> it's like, because we already knew something was kind of going to happen. It was like, oh, what, what, makes you, what makes you think I won't break my toys before I go? Um, and she's like, well, I know you, you won't do that. Um, and he 
kind of takes it on the chin, doesn't he? He's like, I'll see you at the party later. I love this suit. Um, and she she walks out. She fucks off. And yeah, you're right. Lee, the guy that we are not interested in at all, um, who I get feeling is going to play a bigger role in the next season, um, he's being positioned in such a way that he is going to become Ford's replacement as head of development or story or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and and has guessed that you know, oh, you're you're pushing Ford out. So I get it. I understand what's going on here, says Lee, uh, <laughs> because he's such a smarter pants. We know that. Uh, so yeah, so Lee is thinks that he's got his thumb finally on the pulse of what's going on in Delos, um, and uh, so Charlotte, you know, has gone to Ford and says, "You're out." And then we the the next time we see Ford is him catching up with William in the park. This is but, fucking brilliant as well. This is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it's another one of those moments of like, man, just just let these two characters chit chat for a while, and I'm I'm totally <laughs> fine. Yeah, it's like it's like part of me kind of, and we'll get to this at the end. Part of me feels kind of cheated that unless we get flashbacks. I don't want to go too much in this. Unless we get some serious flashbacks in the next season, we will never know the history that these two characters have went through. And it's alluded to just in a conversation that these guys know each other well. You know, they, they have spoken. And of course they have, because one of them owns the park uh, and the other one created the park. Um, and they come from completely different camps so to speak, but you you know that they have interacted before. They know each other. Um, and it's the smugness of Ford that's pretty amazing. <laughs> like, like, really super amazing. And it kind of made me, like, really, really happy. And you are right. When you have these two actors of the, you know, the two biggest names on this TV show are Ed Harris and Anthony Hopkins. And this is the second scene we've seen them share. Um, it's like liking it to something that I've actually been talking about this weekend. It's like heat. It's like the 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 diner scene with heat. Uh, you've your Pacino and De Niro scene, like we had previously in the bar. We get like this is the end, really, scene of heat for those characters, and that uh, you know this is them kind of pretty much concluding the business that they have outstanding, and it's mostly Ford saying in the politest, most respectful Anthony Hopkins way, nah, 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 I told you so. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, very much so. It's uh, yeah, it's so good. And and also, you know, he, he kind of gives them the I told you so of, hey, we've been telling you all along that the maze was never meant for you. Yeah, it's not meant for you. It was never meant for you. you yeah. know, I told you this already. The host told you this. Everyone told you this. Right, and he, and he says to him like you're you've, you're using this park to search for some kind of meaning, mm -hmm. and there isn't meaning here for you. Uh, you know, like that that's going to have to come from somewhere else. And and uh, you know, William, the man in black, says, "Yeah, but I, you know, I I I want some. I, I want to experience something true." And he and he yeah. this echoes something he said to Dolores earlier in the episode as well. But he's essentially saying, I want to experience a, this world where the host can fight back. Because yeah. that's the only way it seems fair. And he, and he says, you know, I should have known. You, you'd never let that stand. 
because you have to rule your he describes it as, as robert's petty kingdom you know yeah that uh he, he's too much of an egomaniac to ever let his subjects have any kind of free will and then you know anthony hopkins in anthony hopkins fashion is like well i guess we'll see and you know <laughs> Uh, but even then, like as I'm watching the show the first time, I d- had no idea where this show was going to end up. You know, I still the, the end of the show is the, the yeah, it's I didn't see it going the way I had an inkling that I knew. I knew that Hopkins had a plan that was going to come to fruition. I did not see this going the way it did and he's but you know basically once again see at the party um, and he's saying like oh that's the man in black says that because the man in black smugness spills over to well the only thing I have over you that you don't have over me I may have wasted time trying to find this this maze but we're getting rid of you so ultimately I win because <laughs> you're jobless and the park is mine um, he doesn't say that but he's like you know well I'll, you know, I'll hear your speech later yeah um, and Hopkins smiles. He's all very much dressed up, and he's like, "Yeah, well, you need to come over. It's over there." And they're all setting up the town um, for the for the finale, for 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 the the story that is going to be played out for us. So great scene, absolutely great scene. In fact, this the 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 season finale of Westworld is a treasure trove of incredible standalone scenes, and this is one of them. Yeah, I mean, it all fits together very nicely, of course. But yeah, like each scene taken on its own merits is pretty great on its own. All right, uh, one one other quick piece of business before we get into the glory of the last 30 minutes of this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, so back at Delos, uh, where Armistice and Maeve and uh, Hector are fucking shit up, they have... They have kind of uh taken over the feeds uh for the security cameras so that the you know main security of delos doesn't realize that they are straight up murdering technicians uh somewhere in the building and uh one of the security chiefs or the you know the guy on shift at the time poor guy uh does actually sniff it out as like hey give me raw feeds from every floor because you know things sound like they're popping off and and there's some weirdness in the way that uh one of the technicians was responding and uh he realizes like oh goodness there are dead bodies laying around there is probably something afoot and it's just that it's just a quick little snippet but uh it sets the stage for what we talked about earlier which is hey security within delos is going to be occupied with whatever internal problems that they're having, because they sure are having some problems. Uh, le- setting the stage then for um, <laughs> poor Teddy and Dolores to come riding down the beach as the mm-hmm. moon sets across the waves. And we have this very emotional scene between uh, between Teddy and Dolores where, uh, you know, he's like, I, I got you, honey. And she's still, you know, all like, Teddy, I'm dying, Teddy. <laughs> you, you brought me you brought me to the beach, Teddy, and you came back for me. And thank you so much, Teddy. There's a path for everybody, Teddy. And 
Teddy's like, you know, give, gives the response line, which is, you know, my the path always leads to you, Dolores. And mm-hmm. uh, he, he's like, I, you know, I wish I wish I'd run away when you, you asked me to. And uh, and she says, but Teddy, where would we go? <laughs> and I'm getting into I, the part of Dolores will be played by Bo tonight. Um, <laughs> and, and like, it's this really touching moment where, you know, she's kind of reciting lines we've heard her use before and, and, and so forth. Um, but the end of it is her kind of dying in Teddy's arms and then they freeze. And what we realize is that <laughs> there is a spotlight on them. And this is all part of Ford leading them to this staged moment for the benefit of the board and all the guests for the unveiling of his new uh, story, which is called what journey into night is what it's called. And uh, so, yeah, so he unveils this big thing like Teddy and Dolores are kind of on um, are kind of just frozen there. They're not, they're not doing much of nothing. But uh, back at Delos, shit is going down. Alarms are going off. And uh, Maeve and Hector and uh, Armistice are kind of on the run. They're trying to get away, uh, trying to get outside. Maeve ultimately is trying to get on the train out of Westworld. And Hector and Armistice are kind of along for the ride to basically provide military support. uh, Oh, yeah. They get a hold of some futuristic guns and Armistice face when she realizes what a future gun does is like it's like a kid just being told that they can have the whole cake. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like <gasps> Yeah. She looks at Hector, she's like, look at this, and they just go on a killing spree. <laughs> it's like fucking well, anarchy. Once again, very matrix like, just everything, death to all. Well, an armistice uh, starts off by predatoring one of the guards <laughs> uh, because she's hiding in the room with all the other decommissioned uh, stuff. She and Hector both are, but it's mm-hmm. that thing of like he passes by her and then armistice's head turns to follow him. So they get their first gun there. Then Hector kills another guard, and Ar- that's where armistice gets her gun, and yep. we, and we get the happy face. Uh, <laughs> Because she's been, you know, those uh, rifles uh, back in town are the only thing she's familiar with. And, oh, she is so happy, Duncan. I, it, made, it made my heart swell. Because <laughs> I want Armistice to be happy. That's all I ever want in life Your anymore. Your heart grew three sizes that day. Yeah. When did, you she, grinch, did you grinch up? I did. I did. As soon as she she gave that little, like, <gasps> you know, uh, like, I am so pleased that this is an automatic weapon. I was like, you know what? This entire season has been worth it for that. Because now <laughs> I know Armistice, uh, at least for a moment, is, is pleased. So, yeah. so shit's popping off there. Then back in, uh, back in the park, we see a bunch of people standing around and shooting uh, the... Uh, like trying to shoot a, a, a mug, a glass mug, off the head of one of the hosts. And yep. ends up just murdering him. And so Bernard yep. is walking around with this knowledge of, like, I'm a host. Um, you know, these people are terrible, but he's kind of on his own little journey of self-discovery. Um, so we're cutting back and forth between 
uh, what's going on at the party and what's happening at Delos. And yeah, and Ford, Ford at this point has also asked that um, Dolores be taken to his repair room underneath the church. Right. So she is, she's been taken, and that's where Ford is. Ford is away um, doing a bit of uh, repair, or a bit of maintenance on Dolores. Right, and this is also the sequence where we get, as, as we're kind of moving through the interior of Delos, we pass by a room in which samurai hosts are swinging samurai swords around. Dude, I honestly, I I cannot tell you how excited I was when I saw this. Like how excited this this made me, um, because this is a completely different level, and it is literally what Boa said. It is feudal Japan era samurai warriors just fighting with swords, with samurai swords. Yep, and. You know, <laughs> we have Maeve going, where the fuck are we right now? And, you know, uh, Felix is like, it's a long story. Um, now, it's been several years since I watched Future World. There's, there's not Samurais in Future World, is there? I I don't recall any. I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. It's been a long time since I've watched Future World. Um, I don't think so if memory so I, did, I didn't know if this was a like a, a nod to the kind of movie world or if this is a wink to the audience that this is what might come like a possibility you know i, I always thought um kind of almost in an assassin's creed sort of way you know how, like if you've ever played the assassin's creed games there are different time periods hinted at the games um as almost spoilers in the games uh, to dictate where the next game is going to go, what time frame. Um, and I thought, is this like, is this a kind of nod towards, by the way, watch out for, you know, Japan World uh, coming 2018 or, or where we're going with that? Are we going to, ch- are we g- could we be in a position which super excites me, by the way, that we move away from the Wild West after a while and start engaging in different time periods? Um for the hosts' backdrop, or you know what? Because what this doesn't make sense. Samurais weren't around at the time of the Old West, so well, not these samurais anyway. Or it, it just it was. I got very excited seeing this, um, but I didn't I, know yeah. if it's an a, an in reference to to the movie franchise or whether or not this is a uh, coming soon. I think it's more a, a suggestion of, hey, this is going to be. Like, like there's more, there are more worlds than these to, uh, yeah. borrow something from the Dark Tower. Um, yeah, I, I, I really do believe it. It is a matter of like, hey, Westworld is one thing, but there's other, there are other parts and there are other pieces of this park. Even in the original Westworld, like we saw a lot of the, uh, like medieval world and, and yep. that kind of thing. So I think it's just that. Right. You know, it, it it's another part of the park, but there is an image in my mind of Dolores and Teddy and Armistice and Hector and Maeve in their old West gear, also side by side and shoulder to shoulder with a bunch of samurai. Ugh. Right. Oh, I made that happen. Oh, I mean, I made if, pleasure myself to that image later on. Yeah, I, believe me, I, it's well-worn territory at this point. So <laughs> you are not boldly going on that one. That is that is, <laughs> is explored territory. So 
Um, Maeve is making her break for the exit, which, yeah. you know, as we've said, means Armistice and Hector have to provide some support. Uh, I only point this out because Armistice uh, hides behind a column at one point as some uh, security folks are, are moving around her. And she stabs one and then kills another and then screams, is that all you got? Because yeah. Armistice is the greatest thing that has ever been. Yeah, Armistice is the ultimate badass. She is the, she is the, the alpha badass of, of Westworld. She is like, and we, we kind of hoped when we saw her right back in episode two, roll out like a blanket filled with rifles that we were going to get something huge from her and we get something huge from her. And this is it. Once again, not overused in the show, perfectly used. Um, she gets a bit cocky though, Bo, and she puts her hand out to start shooting someone and they close a giant door with spikes into her hand, thus trapping her gun hand, still wielding said gun, um, pinned against the door. So she is now trapped. Um, and this leaves... Hector, Felix, and Maeve to continue on towards the train. Yeah. Not before. She is not uh, stuck before she says two awesome things. Or one awesome thing and then one awesome thing is said to her. She says, the gods are pussies. Yes. Which is great. And then she gets her arm stuck. And then she's like, hey, you guys take off. I'll, I'll hold them off as long as I can. And Hector's line to her is, die well. Yeah. Oh, and does she? So, <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, so, yeah, so we're rolling through uh, Delos. We finally get uh, Maeve to the elevator. Yeah, uh, the, the elevator that's going to take her to the train. Right. And, um, you know, some security shows up. There's, there's some more firefighting. Like, basically, Hector is done for. Uh, and she says, like, hey, you can't, you can't come with me um at any rate like you're you've got to stay here uh so she gets on the elevator and has a nice moment i think with felix where she says like hey felix you're you're a terrible person Uh, or a terrible a terrible human a terrible human yeah Yeah, she's a a terrible example of humanity or something like that yeah Yeah. and she's like you know that's kind of a compliment and yes uh but felix has one more bit of information for which is that uh, he has found where in the park this daughter that she can't seem to uh, forget is... Once again, the parallels to Heat here are... Once again, because I, I've like, put the listeners in perspective, if they listen to the new episode of Opera Omnia, which will probably be out just before this episode of Westworld is, you'll hear Andy Blockley on that show mention that in the past week, past seven days, I have watched a movie Heat, which is just shy of three hours long, three times um and something very similar happens like and he de niro is almost away he's almost free all he has to do is drive all he has to do is drive and he's free he just has to go with his new girlfriend and their score and he gets a phone call from john voight's character who says right i know you're going the only reason i'm giving you this is because you asked me Wayne Grow, the, the bad dude that, you know, sold out your crew and killed Danny Trejo, um, is in this hotel. I, you know, don't do anything about it. Go. But you asked, and this is what, and the temptation for vengeance is, uh, is too great. Thus, he turns around and goes, which ultimately 
and his case is his downfall, but the exact same thing happens here. He's, she is given a piece of paper with the exact location of where her daughter is. And at first, Maeve's like that. You know, she, she kind of thinks of it. She's like, well, she's not even really my daughter, is she? She, you know, you made her my daughter as part of this storyline. She's not really my daughter. No, I'm still getting on the train. Still yeah, getting on the train. It's the uh, never made sequel to Not Without My Daughter, which is just not my daughter. No, no Sally Field fans. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I, I stand by it. <laughs> So yeah, so she gets on the train and actually gets a seat. And she's free. She's home free. All she has to do is sit there. Everything's fine. Maeve is out. The terrible, terrifying, super intellectual, destructive robot that will outlive us all, that can't be stopped, that will kill us all. Um, is free. All she has to do is stay there and not yep. move from her seat. Um, which she can totally do. But meanwhile, meanwhile, uh, Bernard has, has found Ford... And has also found Dolores, who has now been repaired and reactivated. Yeah, and and maybe we should bid our adieu to Maeve right here, because that kind of her last moments uh, for the season are making the decision in the elevator to return to Westworld. Yeah, well, she she gets she's on the train and she is about ready to go, and then she looks back down at the piece of paper and she realizes that she is not going to leave. She's going to go and get her daughter. She's not leaving it, without her. Not without her daughter. Yeah. Not without Maeve's <laughs> daughter. Uh, it is. And, and she sees, uh, you're right. I forgot that it was on the train because she sees the mother and daughter on the train. That's and that's what the, right. That's the kind of the last straw of like, ah, uh, screw it. I'm going back. And, and so there, there endeth the story of Maeve. Uh, for now. For episode or for season one of Westworld. Um we're not done with Armistice yet though. That's no, that's gonna oh, be the last thing we're gonna talk about, which is makes me so fucking happy. It one might call it the frosting on the muffin. It is the frosting on top of the muffin bowl. The frosting on top of that goddamn muffin. It is. So but yeah, so Dolores is now awake and Ford is reintroducing her to bernard yeah he says that they two have never met which i thought was really interesting so that means that dolores's whole time since the event we're about to talk about um which happened 34 years ago they two have never really interacted well i i don't know that that's true right because what what ford says is you two have always had a strange effect on one another and that's yeah, why we so, keep you right. separated right, which to right, me right, implies right. that they tried they it right. right but it makes yeah, them yeah. both go all higgledy piggledy in the head uh yeah because of the this history which we finally learn well yeah because bernard once again accuses ford of killing arnold <laughs> so, like once again so basically what he like yeah and bernard... ford is like bull to the shit or you know as <laughs> anthony <laughs> hafkins would say Bill to the shit, Bernard. <laughs> uh, bovine to the manure, Bernard. Because um, that's he wouldn't say bullshit because he's too respectable for that. He's Sir Anthony Hopkins. I'll have you know he's oh, a, a knight, knight of the realm over here. Um, so uh, there you go. Uh, <laughs> so basically, you know, 
he he has another go at how manipulative Ford has been and how Arnold was trying to do the greater good and the consciousness and all the rest. And you stopped him. You stopped him, Ford, you bad man. And he's like, ah, ah, ah. I didn't stop him. Uh, Dolores, do you want to tell him who it was that that uh, killed? <laughs> right, gives him the Dolores. Maybe you want to pitch in here and <laughs> yeah. kind of take over the story because you you were there. Yeah, you were the one that did the deed. And then we get the backstory. So the backstory, uh, which, like I say, kind of confirms some of the stuff we'd already said, uh, and also leads to a point that we both kind of loosely agreed on a couple episodes ago, which is definitely now fact, <coughs> um, is that we get the extension of that, that scene that we saw earlier on with young Anthony Hopkins running in and having a, a shouting match with Ford. Ford basically comes out, uh, it, Arnold basically comes out, sits down with Dolores and tells her that he needs to, you know, he he's made a mistake, he needs to roll things back, um, he needs to change her because Ford will never go for what he wants. However, there is something they can do and that is to destroy the park and he uploads her with a program known as the Wyatt program that's right ladies and gentlemen Dolores is Wyatt um, uploads her with this this Wyatt program and the plan is to kill all the hosts in the park like downright murder them which stops the park opening um, but there's further things he needs to do uh, so he wants to basically destroy the park um, we get the explanation of what the maze actually is uh, so basically this pyramid the reason it became the shape it did was because he started drawing circles around it like his kid's toy, which he'd seen because Arnold's kid actually did die. And that's what Bernard got given as his linchpin to his story um, was the real death of Arnold's child as a memory. Um, but instead of working up the pyramid as such, you work through it and rimmed it. And this really interesting way, it's not just a case of moving up levels. It's this this journey of self discovery, which is ultimately the 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 lead to consciousness. It's what makes you conscious. Um, and the Wyatt program is going to be installed, so she will kill all the hosts in the small town. He recommends that she could ask Teddy to help her do it, because Teddy has had a soft spot for her, um, and it. It, it plays out exactly like you thought. It was a good play. We've seen some flashbacks. Teddy murders everyone, um, then looks at Dolores and says he doesn't understand why he's done it. We feel uber sorry for poor Teddy at this point because uh, he's been used as a pawn like everyone else. Um, Dolores puts him down. Uh, well, she puts him down after he witnesses what comes next, which is Arnold basically has scripted it that he will die at the hands of Dolores. Dolores will kill him. So technically, he did commit suicide, which is what they said. Right. And that's the point Ford makes when he's kind of describing the events. You know, yeah. he's saying, yeah, you, you might have pulled the trigger, but it was really Arnold. Uh, yeah. That, that... He did say that right at the very start of the, of the show as well. He did say that, you know, he killed himself in the park. He never said he was murdered. That, that just started to come out later on. 
um, as an assumption that you know Ford had killed him. But that's you know it's always been that way. He's been truthful from the the, the start. And the one thing you can say about Ford is he. The only lie that we know for a fact that he has actually made, like bald faced lie, is when he told um when he told Bernard that he hadn't killed anyone else except Teresa. So I mean, you know, that's the only lie we have caught him in. The rest has been like different shades of the truth. Um but basically she kills Arnold and then she kills Teddy and then she kills herself. And the purpose being behind this, this will stop the park. Because, uh, you know, Arnold's knowledge dies with him, uh, or at least delays it horribly. Um, but this this code remains, this this uh, reverie code remains. And Bernard's assumption is that Arnold put it in there, and Arnold is still trying to communicate beyond the grave to manipulate and then we get the great reveal that it's not Arnold at all that has done this it's Ford that's done this Ford reinstalled the code because what he realised um, which kind of plays into the theory that I'm just about to say that we put forward we realised that actually he'd done the wrong thing and Arnold was right um, yeah it, the, the quote he uses is uh, from Oppenheimer uh, yeah. Where he says, you know, uh, any any mistake that requires ten years to correct is indicative of a great man. And, yeah, and and he's saying like, yeah, I made a mistake, and I, it's I taken me thirty years, but right, it you know, it it took it took me a long time to come around to it, but now I understand that the consciousness that you're displaying is what's important. You know, yeah. Um, so he he's he fully understands that he's the guy that's installed the code, um, and he, right. right. So much of this conversation is taking place in the church, and just to make it clear, you know, to to the listeners, this is just Bernard and Arnold. <coughs> no, I'm sorry, Bernard yeah. and and Robert Ford at this point, and so this is the point where we go from. Ford being this possibly malicious puppet master uh-huh. to the final admission, not just that he made a mistake in stopping the consciousness and everything, but that he is now actively pro-host anti-person. Yeah. Well, didn't we say, this is what I meant about our theory, didn't we say a couple of episodes ago that... I was struggling with the Ford character and that I didn't like we were looking at things in terms of black and white without the shades of grey that you know maybe the man in black is the hero of the story or maybe he's the villain or maybe Ford is the hero of the story or maybe he's the villain and I, I believe I said that the longer time had went on the more I was unsure that Ford was as villainous as the show was portraying him to be like it, it seemed to be from the first time I met him it was like frail old man and then he was getting pushed down this oh no you're evil man maniacal genius uh, now I feel a little bit sorry for you again but you're maniacal genius and what I said was wouldn't it be quite interesting if we found out that ultimately Ford's so to speak the good guy in the story and he's not really the good guy in terms yeah. of, you know, in terms of black and white. And he's also those... directly causing murder. Yeah, but in terms of shades of grey, depending but... on which side you fall down on in here, he's technically the hero. 
Yeah, I, I mean, you're right. It it does depend on on which side you're on, and I know you because of your background. Actually, now that we've made the revelation, both our backgrounds, we are pro robot. We are one hundred percent pro robot. One, yeah, absolutely. I would say one hundred ten percent, but that does not compute. Um, does not compute. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, Ford is saying like you needed time. The reason I didn't wake you up sooner is because you had to develop your consciousness to the point where you recognize that you are better, stronger, faster. And yeah. the way he puts it is like, you needed to know your enemy and yeah. the enemy are these people outside the door right now. Yeah. And, uh, so he, he shakes very meaningfully shakes, uh, Bernard's hand. Yes. And steps into the night and, and says goodbye to Bernard. Yeah, uh, he he leaves. We have Dolores having a conversation. We're not sure if it's a flashback or if it's a real conversation with Bernard, who we find out is actually Arnold, who we find out isn't Arnold at all. Um, she, through this conversation, finds that that is actually herself from the past. The version of herself who cracked the maze. Right, you know, and, who, and who basically upgraded? Yeah, and it, it's it's what uh, you know it, it, the in the scene from earlier, the flashback with Arnold about what the maze is. Yeah, you know, and it's the the final circle, the 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 you know when he says it's it's my voice you've been hearing, but whose voice is it? I want you to hear. Yeah, and ultimately, what we learn is just as you said. It is it is the voice of the self. It, it, at that point, it is self awareness that yeah. I am now determining my own motivations. Yes. Ugh, well, it's life, Duncan. It, well, yeah. There, there is. There, <laughs> it's alive, boy. It's alive. Right. What a, what an age of gods and monsters we live in, Duncan. A new age of gods and monsters. Um, is, like, but there is one last thing that Dolores does that kind of contradicts the full scope unless this is something that was planned and we'll come to this but yeah so she is now she is now leveled up she is now she is the the realization of an idea and a dream personified in a person who is now conscious um and she goes upstairs everyone's assembled uh the man in black's having a smoke out on, uh, yep. out on the fringes of this group, he he doesn't care what Robert Ford has to say. He can give a shit. He's just yeah, hanging he out in the back. Yeah, <laughs> he, he's he has had enough because his his dream is ultimately torn up for for ass paper. Um, and yes. uh, Ford, yeah, that's yeah. There you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got ass uh, paper disease. Uh, ass paper. <laughs> and uh, so Ford takes the stage and addresses the the members of the board and uh, the members of the public, and does a very Anthony Hopkins level speech where he talks about coming to the park and his dreams and aspirations and his story and all the rest, and ultimately lands on the fact that you know he is resigning his post. Um, this is his final story. Um. And as he's talking, Dolores emerges from from the, the, the downstairs church and starts circling the audience. 
um, after lifting the gun, uh, which Hopkins has basically said it was her gun um, and had been planted in a place that she would find it uh, by Bernard, uh, which would pro- you know, basically, this is what like, when we finish this wee sequence, we can then like talk about the entire series and how genius Ford's plan is from the off um, and how the timeline worked. But basically what we have is uh, she walks behind and Ford is finishing his speech. And as he finishes his speech, she lifts the gun and blows his brains out in front of the crowd. Um, which I did not see coming. No, and no. I, and this is what I mean about the free, the free mind or the consciousness. I don't think she has free mind or consciousness here. Because if she did, why would be the first person you would kill as Ford? In, unless she understands what the plan is. Yeah, unless she has an understanding as, as participating willingly as opposed to being programmed to do something, which would be against what Ford had set up. So she shoots him in the back of the head, and then she just starts shooting guests, like picking them off. Meanwhile, the man in black turns around and looks at the woods, and all these... All these uh, Hosts that have disappeared, like Lee goes down to basically smuggle the code out. That's his job. That's the code that Hale gave him to do. And he arrives and there's no one there. All the, the robots are gone. All the disused hosts are gone. I believe they're the ones that come out of the woods. That's my assumption on it. But there's a whole posse that come out of the woods. And one of them shoots the man in black, wounding him in the arm. And the rush of excitement in his face, because he now has what he wants. Right. Ultimately, the man in black got what he wanted, uh, which was, you know, the the next level of the game, so to speak. But we have um, Dolores picking off, you know, uh, people in the crowd. So the rebellion begins here, Bo. Oh, it does indeed. And you see the hosts uh, react either not at all or with happiness. Yeah. Um and yeah, it is it is just a straight up massacre. It's the thing we've been kind of waiting for uh mm-hmm. to one degree or another uh all season. Um and so credits roll, but yes. let's the the final scene we are going to talk about <laughs> is the one of the coolest things ever. So <laughs> <laughs> There was a character we left jammed in a door, our hand being pinned with a gun on the other side, um, and we join our bow. Yeah, she's still with, there with said arm stuck in the door, and a you know a security uh, a security guy, security force member is approaching from the other side of the glass. Yes. So Armistice, <laughs> this is amazing. Takes her knife. Jams it into her arm uh, on on you know her side of the, of the door, and twists it so that she pulls like you know whatever fake tendon or whatever exists to yeah, pull the mechanism the, yeah, yeah to pull the trigger finger and kill this dude on which the other side like, of the door. Like which I, I was thinking to myself, that is the most badass scene I've seen in Westworld. Didn't need potentially any show. I can't believe they just did that. What a way to finish. But they weren't finished here, Bo. No, because Armistice then <laughs> saws off her own arm. 
because there's guards coming from the other side. Right. And she's like, well, I still got business to tend to, and I can't do it with my arm in the door, so I'll just cut that off. And she turns around all bloody from her own arm stump. Yeah. And security guards are approaching, and you hear them say, cease all motor functions. And, of course, she doesn't. And you hear one more panicked, cease all motor motor functions. And Armistice just smiles. Yeah. (sighs) (laughs) Uh, You know, we are not Johnny-come-latelys to the Armistice love. We loved her from the first moment she was on screen. Yeah, we loved her when we realized she was, you know, part of the maze and the cool ass tattoo, yep. all of that stuff. We've always been Armistice fans, and we have been rewarded with the greatest of all Armistice moments. Like, it, I am okay with this, but <laughs> there is never going to be a more awesome Armistice moment on the show. Yeah, probably not. No, I, ca- I can't imagine that the. And if I was them, I wouldn't even try. I wouldn't even try and write another moment on that level that just that that 45 second sequence is amazing and that's what they leave you on till 2018 <laughs> you cruel bastards yeah um, uh, oh, so fucking good so good so uh we got a couple of questions that i think are gonna lead us to uh inevitably talking about what we want to see in season two so um let's just let's start with uh a quick wrap up uh so season one duncan impressions like what what are what's your big takeaway uh are you giving it a thumbs up (laughs) (laughs) um this show genuinely genuinely is one of the best tv shows i've ever seen I don't think it's flawless. Um, there were some writing choices I didn't particularly like, especially with some of the, the Maeve story where it the, just seemed like... The, yeah, that Felix Sylvester stuff that we kept going back to for a couple of episodes. Yeah, it was was dumb, and it felt, it felt over long. I think we could have... We could have gotten to that, that point with the Maeve story quicker and spent less time kind of... With the buffoonery that we did, uh, I know some of it was put in there for a bit of levity, and you need that in a show like this. Um, so I understand some of it. I don't understand it fully. Um, I think this show. I think a lot of theories were out that turned out true. I think it's very difficult to do any show in the the day and age of Reddit and the internet that we have now, and things like 4chan, uh, where potential spoilers for shows aren't guessed pretty quick i think audiences are smarter they're more well informed they're more inclined to spend a lot of time scrutinizing specific details in shows especially if they have a lot of time to do that um and albeit i started getting on board with quite a lot of the the theories of the show the reveals which proved a lot of my theories right didn't feel disappointing they all felt perfect um i will go on record to say that Westworld is my favourite TV show of this year. That's up against some strong competition. Get that, that new season of Game of Thrones was truly phenomenal. Um, but I, I, I just don't think... I think because Westworld is coming from a more original 
it's obviously based on a movie, but it's an original story or based off the back of another story that like with things like Game of Thrones, uh, you know, they're working to, even they're working slightly off-piste from the books, they are still working to a narrative that has been laid out quite extensively in book form. Um, the Westworld potentially has a lot more to risk doing that. Uh, plus it's science fiction and it's Westerns, two genres that aren't exactly at the forefront of audiences' interests on in the last 15, 20 years. They really aren't. I mean, you can, you can easily argue that Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit being so popular in terms of attracting audiences to fantasy worlds, you know, benefits something along the lines of Game of Thrones. You know, this idea of this, you know, almost medieval thing with different creatures, etc., and magic and whatnot. Um, it was a big ask. It was a tall, tall order. And I genuinely think they pulled it off. I think this is a show that obviously HBO are planning to to put a lot of time, a lot of resource, and a lot of money to carry that forward after Game of Thrones finishes. And I I think they have backed a complete winner. I, I genuinely think the casting, the storytelling, the score, the direction, the action, the the dialogue everything was pretty much flawless. Um, and it's, it's it's a marvel, I think, that to do a show like they did, and this show did not disappoint me at the end, and it could have so easily disappointed me. They could have done all those revelations that we got, all those reveals, and still disappointed me at the end with the way that they may have been executed or handled, and they didn't do it. Um, I, I am a super fan of this show. Um, I think it's absolutely fucking incredible. Absolutely incredible. And I think when I watch it again, when I buy it on Blu-ray, which I will do, and I go back through it, I think very much like The Usual Suspects, all the things that are revealed, there are going to be so many hints and nods to it throughout the entire season that the second watch is going to be even better. Um, Like Ford's plan all along, I think, is there right from the very beginning. And I think we will look at his actions throughout the show completely different on a second view. And now that we know the full story, everything that characters say is going to be scrutinised more. And not in a pedantic way, but in a way where the, the world, the, the mythology and world of this show are so rich that I think we're just scratching the surface of what could be a show that could go on several seasons and become one of the greatest TV shows of all time. Well, it's good that you measure your words. Uh, you don't want to <laughs> oversell it. Um, yeah, I've honestly never felt as excited about a TV show finishing than I have since True Detective. I said that early on. So when True Detective season one finished, I was like that. I have just witnessed something that I will now cite back in the future, back to a pivotal moment in TV history. I think Westworld is the the coming of of the age of a different style of HBO-driven content. I don't think this works on many other... I think HBO have the money to do a show like this and do justice to a show like this and an audience base that will follow a slightly more adult-focused story without having to appeal to, to lesser minds and things, and that's not belittling audiences, but they can shove a bit of that that content that we're talking about that we really enjoyed, those conversations... I think they can do that. Um, and I think this is HBO levelling up 
um, on that now. And and this is it's got me so excited about what comes off the bat. Westworld did really, really, really well. I'm sure I read an article somewhere that said it was the most watched first season of a TV show ever. Yeah, um, I read that as and, well, and that makes sense. And let me put it this way, that is only a good thing. That means intelligent scripts, great acting, the, you know, this continuation of A-list actors and actresses coming across to do hugely entertaining and, and thought-provoking content in the future on TV, and how can you not be excited about that? Bo, what did you think of Westworld? I thought it was terrible. Um... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I, I mean, and I, not to just parrot everything you said, but I'm also really looking forward to watching it sometime between now and season two. And, and to be fair, it'll probably be about a year from now when I start to really get excited for the idea of a season two. Yeah, uh, I think in for me. Yeah, but going back through it, it's going to be incredibly satisfying, I think, to... Uh, see the hints that are dropped, the breadcrumbs that are littered throughout there, because there were enough smart people on the internet to ferret a lot of that information out and, and to make a convincing case. And as the show went along, it just, you know, further cemented those ideas. So, I, you know, I think it was back in, like, episode six or seven when I said, like, hey, just moving forward, we're going to assume the man in black is William and we're dealing with two timelines because the show had hadn't confirmed it but just everything about that made sense yeah and, definitely uh so that was really uh satisfying I, I think you're right i think that even though you knew some of this stuff was coming it never felt cheap uh all, all of the the twists in this show feel earned um you know yeah it's not it's not perfect uh as you said but man oh man uh you know would i call it the best season this year probably so i can't think of yeah. one like you said game of thrones was real strong there was some real good stuff in there which ironically we're talking about two you know and i would actually throw ash versus evil dead into the mix i think that ash versus evil dead has been phenomenal um it's got one episode left at the date of this recording it finishes up tonight in the states and um it has been any, I, 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 yeah, any naysayer against the idea of bringing that to television has been well and truly put in their place. They've they've done wonders with that show. It's it's incredible. Yeah, I, the first season's real good. This season's been an improvement on that, and yeah, that's hard to believe. Um, that... I know a lot of people out there have been indifferent on it. I genuinely think one of the greatest surprise hits for me was um, Channel Zero Candle Cove. I, th I just don't, there's never been a TV show like that to me at all. I thought it was incredible. Very slow, very brooding, very atmospheric. Felt Twin Peaksy. Um, I need felt to finish kind it. Of ease. Yeah, you need to you, you need to catch up with that so we can talk about that. Because uh, there's a second season of that coming real soon. And it's anthology based. So the second season is not going to be related to the first one. So. Yeah, I enjoyed what I saw. But I got kind of caught up in The Exorcist, which uh, was sort of my sideshow. Um, and, and the exorcist, I wonder if there was a new episode last night. It ended in a weird place, the last episode, and I'm not sure how the ratings are for it. I've heard some rumors that maybe that show's not too long for this world. Oh, uh, no. Yeah. Which is kind of a shame because there are moments on that show that are completely worthy of the name, the exorcist. And 
and some maybe not, but uh, it's been at the very least interesting. Um, so yeah, I, uh, to get back to the original point, I think that it's probably the best season of television I've seen this year, and mm. and certainly in the running for you know if not top ten, certainly top twenty best seasons of a show um yeah it, it was just so compelling it was so much fun uh, you know and, and doing this show helped m- me savor it in a way uh mm-hmm. because you know we're interacting with uh people who are listening to us talking about a show we would be watching and talking about anyway and having that additional layer of being able to enjoy it not only as a great uh, series, a television series, and a, a great season of television, but as a thing that you know I, I get to do with you and also interact with people in the community. Like it's it's made it a real special event, is what I'm getting at. So it, I I really enjoyed uh, the show for a number of reasons, not just because the show was great, but because the experience of going through the first season was so much fun, you know, uh, it's yeah. kind of like, kind of like seeing a movie with the right crowd. You know? Yeah. I, th- I think we've, we've spoken offline about this. Um, we had obviously planned the next one of these kind of dedicated to a TV show would be twin peaks. Um, which is due for release. The last I heard, I originally, it was supposed to be about January time next year. I think it's been delayed slightly. I think it's not till much later on in the year now. Um, if the right TV show appears, um, and, and both I- myself and Bo are really excited about it, then maybe we would come back and do another one in the interim. Maybe. Yeah, I and I'm open. Like this was a suggestion. We hadn't planned yes, on doing was. this until somebody mentioned it, and and we were, you know, because both of us are freewheeling with our time or just like yeah yeah we don't we, we don't have enough podcasts already <laughs> right let's let's spend hours a week uh talking about <laughs> westworld um so yeah i by all means you know drop us a message on on facebook or email or whatever uh and and let us know if there's a show um that you want us to look at because I'm, I'm feeling that emptiness that i felt between the original series mash and after mash uh, <laughs> A vacant place in my my heart. Um, th- thank goodness for aftermath. Said no one. Um, actually, Jamie Farr. Jamie Farr said, "Thank goodness for aftermath," and no one else. Um, but yeah. So uh, if if you guys come up with something, let us know. Uh, look, we're we're not quite done yet. Let's do let's do some questions real quick. Yep. Um, so Alicia asks uh and and she mentions uh jason so haha uh you're both getting credit for this one uh jason gray brought up a great point that the hosts they were making the last couple of episodes was ford uh and that wasn't really ford at the end that would make sense on why he wasn't uh surprised uh by and this is something i mentioned to her why he wasn't surprised about bernard being all of a sudden there um and she goes on to say, I still think Ford planned everything and went in and changed uh, Maeve. Uh, he was behind it all. And, yeah, I mean, we kind of talked uh, about some of that. But, yeah, I think so. I think Ford. I, you know, it's interesting, though, the idea of the Ford host, there being a yeah. Ford host, and that's who got shot. Um, uh, yeah, I don't crazy. think 
Yeah, I, do, I don't think it, I don't think it's likely though. I think what Ford did at the end was replicate what he replicated what Arnold did, but he just reversed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, so you know, he basically what he did was Ford's the only guy really that knows how to stop them, and his solution was to use once again use um. Dolores is his weapon of destruction, like Arnold had did to, in the same time, recreate the same scene and then to make sure that nothing can really stop him from, you know, from succeeding his goal. He'll never change his mind or whatever it is to, to, to have someone kill him and to commit suicide by, by host. Um, so I, I, I don't know if I would be happy if the next season kicked up and we found out that Ford had built a host. Um, I kind of like the way he went out. There's something kind of benevolent about it. Um, I I agree, but it does beg the question: who who is the host that was being created in that basement? Because I don't agreed. Think, yeah. I I don't think that's a total lost thread. I think that is definitely going to come into play. No, he was building someone, so we will find out in time. I yeah. dare say. But it, I I I I think I agree. I'm not sure how happy I would be about that because it would feel like a bit of a betrayal yeah i think it would cheapen the cheapen the impact to the end of the first season if we found out that it was like a like stage suicide so you could go off and do something nefarious in the background i don't know what what how that serves that character um because he's done what he needs to do yeah and I, I like the arc of oh i might be you know this evil guy that is keeping these robots from achieving consciousness to know I'm actually this benevolent messiah figure for these. Oh, yeah, he will ultimately, yeah, yeah, like like how Arnold was perceived by some of the hosts as, you know, the the creator of this elegant code and all the rest and almost revered on some level with them, Ford will end up the same way. Ford will be carried forward. You imagine if the robots had a Bible, um, he would almost be God. The book of or Ford. Jesus maybe yeah. or maybe Jesus he'd be the second yeah so maybe he's well I'd like <laughs> Arnold is the creator but um, the one that you know absolves him of their sins etc is, is Ford so and the Holy if Ghost is Dolores ooh could you imagine I I can't imagine I don't think that's crazy no uh, not at all all right so uh, Ben uh, asks us uh, do you guys think we're gonna get a northeast and south world. <laughs> um, I think we're gonna get a north northeast world. If we got if we got east world, that would explain the samurais. Yeah, I think in season two we go to another part. That, that's I would, yeah, I would like to think so, or we at least expand out to more than one park. And we still don't know what's beyond Delos, quite frankly. So we've still yeah. got a lot of room, like. You know, right. it's not a spaceship, Bo. Right? I know you're. Th- you're like they did not say it wasn't a spaceship, so they, it's not a spaceship. You, you, hey, spaceship. your words not mine. They have not <laughs> said it's not a spaceship, and that's what it's gonna take. <laughs> you're unbelievable, honestly. Just admit you were wrong. Just admit I, you were wrong. No, because I still think that there is a slim chance that we're on a spaceship. I, I mean, I'm not saying it's a great twist. I'm saying I'm not... Like, season seven of this show, we're on a damn spaceship, Duncan. Um, but, yeah, no, I think we see another park. I don't, I you know, I don't think it's like Northworld, which, where it's a bunch of Canadians or nothing. 
it's just the most polite park you ever saw. Uh, so you're gonna rape us and kill us, eh? All right. You guys want some syrup? Uh, that's as Canadian as I get. It's terrible. Uh, <laughs> you, guys, you guys like hockey, eh? Uh, anyway. Listen, I have no clue what you're talking about. Now, let's move on. Canadian. You, you've <laughs> seen Canadians in movies. Um, so, yeah. So I think we go to another park. Um, I, I don't know that it's going to be... I, I don't know how much time we're going to spend in one. I, th- I think we're going to get confirmation that there's some weird helix not helix but like uh almost a a a, a pseudopod kind of setup to this where we have all these different parks connected to a central hub all right yeah yeah and uh that each of these is carefully tailored like you know you have your west world and you know maybe your you know east asia world or something and you know feudal japan world and medieval world i would explain that would world. explain why they were all in the they would explain why the samurais were in the same building structure yeah that that this is all like because it's one big ship right so it's all these arms <laughs> coming off of a central thing like imagine the spaceship from 2001 <laughs> and it's kind of that so uh you know spaceship ahoy um there are parallels to 2001 in this show as well, which I thought was quite interesting. Oh, well, for sure. I mean, the idea of, of consciousness and artificial yeah. intelligence and all that stuff. And man, I mean, you know. It's I like just... it references some of my favorite movies ever, you know, takes elements from some of my favorite movies and stories ever. I think mean, that's probably why I gravitated to the show so quickly and so easily. Yeah, I, for sure. And, you know, we've talked about it, especially in the early episodes when we. we kind of had that realization of like oh they're being kind of heady with all this material you know it really is about the nature of existence and what makes something alive and conscious and all that stuff. very true detective like very much so it is which were some of like like we said before some of our favorite elements were really just rust and cole speaking (laughs) being a total nihilist um and saying a lot of things that i actually agree and convert me to a lot of things i didn't agree with yeah yeah time time is a circle um yeah, yeah it, it, it it's it's been uh such a great ride uh in terms of of that kind of intel if not intellectual at least pseudo intellectual kind yeah. of conversation that surrounds the show about things like you know artificial intelligence and so forth it's uh oh the show um <laughs> and armistice oh all, all of this stuff makes me happy uh finally uh darren axes us uh, where do you think the next season needs to start off, and how many of your and your friends' testicles would you sacrifice to not wait two years for it? Um, I mean, I'll say this right up front because he's got a kid. Duncan's balls go first, <laughs> and I will give them quickly and readily to get just the first episode of the next season. Um, <laughs> I don't think we are right. I don't think we are going to wait a whole two years. I think this drops early 2018, unless someone yeah. has got more information than I have. I don't see it going that way. I think Game of Thrones plays out towards the end of the summer. I think it plays out for eight episodes. HBO have other commitments need to do. I reckon early, I would say maybe February, March time 
we will get Westworld as a precursor to the final season of Game of Thrones, which will arrive, I would imagine, probably in the summer again. Yep. So, yeah, that's, that's how I think it. So I think we really have realistically about a year to wait, which is still a long time. But I reckon you know, we're talking closer to a year time frame than we are to two years. I, I totally agree with that. And I think you're right. I think it's going to be because we've got two seasons left of Game of Thrones and those are abbreviated seasons. So I think you're going to get Thrones, Westworld, Thrones, and you're going to get the finale of, of Thrones in between seasons two and three. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. Uh, and it's smart on HBO's part because that at that point you're putting one franchise to bed as you're really cementing. Like we'll see how season two of this goes, and that's going to be the tale of the tape. Can you can you be as good at the second time at bat? Yeah, um, I just hope they they don't do much in the way of. I hope they just continue having faith in Jonathan Nolan. I think he's he like to me he is the, the one of the you know. Between him and uh, Lisa Joy, they really have been the the kind of the couple integral to getting this story in place and getting it you know out there. They have a clear vision for what they want to do, and I imagine that they are not surprised they're getting a season two out of this. They wouldn't have left it the way they have, so I think they have clear vision of where season two goes. Just let them do it. Don't interfere. Yeah, and so here's what I hope to see from the beginning of season two is I would love to see that season, like if season one is about the rise of consciousness in the in the, the robots, then mm -hmm. season two is about them both fighting back against their human overlords and also trying to cobble together their own civilization. To, Planet to, of the Apes-esque. Very much so, yeah. And I, I think that would be a, a really satisfying and really enjoyable storyline to follow. Uh, you know, it's what I love about Planet of the Apes. I don't, I don't want it to be, you know, a total clone of that, but I, I don't think it could be. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I would be fine with seeing this show explore some of those same ideas. Agreed. I 100% agreed. Can't wait. Cannot yep. wait. All right. And with that, that is three ish hours of show <laughs> to discuss uh, Westworld episodes nine and 10 of season one. Um, the only Thanks thing. for checking us out. I, I can't stress that enough. We've been getting loads of more feedback than we do when we do our movie shows. And there's been a lot more participation. And hopefully, it spawns some new people to check back over some of the work that me and Bo have done over the last two seasons of Duncan and Bo come correct, because if you have enjoyed these sort of conversations, we have two seasons where we discuss two movies per show and really get into the nuts and bolts about what makes them work. Um, and yeah, hopefully, hopefully you guys will go and uh, check that out because this has been brilliant. I've really enjoyed I know we said we enjoyed, you know, like the, the suggestion, etc. But I've just really enjoyed the interaction with everyone as well. Absolutely, uh, it, it has been kind of surprising because we, you know, we did this for X Files as well, and I would say we've gotten more response out of this than even the X Files one. Which, if you haven't listened to that, there's some, there's some gems in there. Oh as God, well. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I would, would think X Files being like. So much hype behind that show. I mean, Westworld had hype behind it, but nowhere near on the level of of West Westworld coming out. And you know, 
to me, the surprising thing about this one is how quickly Westworld captured the imagination of people and how quickly people got on board with it. Um, and I know there's, I've still got friends that haven't seen it yet, and that's all I talk about is, you know, what are you watching at the moment? Oh, you're right, finish that show, start watching Westworld. You know, get on to Westworld. Um, because people need to see that show. I think there's enough in there to really tick the boxes of any avid TV uh, watcher. I think that it really does. That you don't. You can watch the show and be blissfully ignorant of some of the more th- uh, theological or existential questions that are raised, and still dig the show. And if you want that side of things as well, the show caters to that as well. So I think it covers a lot of bases, and it does it really, really well, which is a very difficult thing to do, especially in ten hours of ten and a half hours of television um, for season one. Yeah. Right again, Duncan. I know I keep saying that, but you've been surprisingly correct about a lot of stuff today. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think uh, I think we we round these dogies up and uh, head them back into the corral. Um, to echo what Duncan said, uh, thank thank you to everyone who listened and and uh, provided feedback and asked questions and just generally threw in. Uh, theories and comments and all that stuff. It, w- it was an absolute blast. It, it was so much fun. Um, so if you would like to uh, follow Duncan and myself, uh, you can and uh, find links to contact pages and all that stuff over on legionpodcasts.com as well as for Duncan, uh, tputzcast for the podcast under the, the stairs. That is tputscast.com. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you can find more of my stuff as as well over on, on Legion and Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff. Just, uh, jump in and join us. And, uh, like I said, if you, if you guys have recommendations for another show to do, then by all means, uh, let us know what you would like to hear us discuss, uh, or tell us to shut up. That's good too. You just be like (laughs) nothing. Uh, and uh, a gentle reminder that Duncan and Bo Come Correct will be returning in 2017. Uh, Another season of 13 episodes where myself and Bo go head to head in battle it will not be as friendly and um, as uh, (laughs) there won't be as much agreement well maybe there will be we tend to agree quite a lot but it's battle yeah what we we tend to there are easy there are easy episodes where we both agree this movie's better and yeah. then there are episodes where that is not necessarily the case. And, and we, we agonize. agonize. Yeah. <laughs> agonize is the only way to describe it. Yeah. Painstakingly agonize over our choices. Um, but we've never had any huge disagreements yet. No. I mean, each of us We're have here. sent a rodent corpse to the other in the mail. <laughs> That's happened. Um, we have threatened families. Uh, we have ruined credit. All of that has happened between us, but we still uh, remain friends and, <laughs> uh, and and continue to do shows, uh, which only fuel the uh, the fire of our hatred. Um, yeah, so we will be getting. Actually, we we would have been probably at least in the beginning stages of season three. Yeah, I think we'd be about three or four. Yeah, three or four episodes in, I believe. But I will be honest, I'm overjoyed that we put on hold to do this. Yeah, this has been amazing. Yeah, yeah, and I and I've got some. uh, It gave me some more time to get some some more ammo 
uh, for for the upcoming season. I got I got got a couple of things in the uh, the old bandolier strap, Duncan. <laughs> so I'm gonna armistice through through the glass door, jamming the knife in my arm to twist the tendon so I can fire a couple of shots at the last. Oh, you don't stand a goddamn chance. Uh. <laughs> so, what Duncan? Anything else? But look, look, we're really gonna end this show. Anything else? Any last, very last thoughts? Um, just from from myself for the listeners of this show that don't listen to any of the other stuff that I do. So thank you very much for all the support in 2016. You've been absolutely fantastic. I hope you have a fantastic Christmas or holiday period if you don't celebrate Christmas, um, and a wonderful New Year. And I look forward to speaking to you then in the New Year. All of what he said. Everybody, have a great night. Thank you so much for being with us for all these shows. And uh, we'll see you again very soon. Bye. Bye.